It's Friday, December 16th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom, they got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the My Pillow Family getting ready to bring you Merry Christmas time savings. You want to give the gifts of comfort, rest, and relaxation with My Pillows? Got to get your hands on the Air Lindells somewhere in the version ones today. And Giza Dream Everything from MyPillow.com forward slash stake up to 80% off. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. MyStore.com forward slash steak is the website there. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, jumping on it, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company, plucked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans, aged three years, hand-rolled. You're going to enter promo code STAKE here and it's holiday discount, 25% off your total order. Damn! Gotta love it. Noah, rate him. 10 out of 10. Or hey. top five, top one. Ooh, throwing it back to the Wayback Machine there. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's also got a five-star rating. His new to redesign, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the beat. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home. Zero fucks duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Check it out on dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 196. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's keying up right now. Guys, we got a great show. Some of our biggest 
and best guests are coming in today. Alan Jacoby is going to be hosting with us in a little bit of a co-hosting fashion. And uh, before we get into any of that, let's jump right into the news. If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just like dominoes, one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. To assist in these efforts, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters — and we have to do this right now — to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as President, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk revising Section 230 to get big online platforms out of censorship business. From now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Fourth, we need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. 
The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. If any U.S. university is discovered to have engaged in censorship activities or election interferences in the past, such as flagging social media content for removal of blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital Bill of Rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, throttled, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what name they use, they should have the right to be informed that it's happening, the right to a specific explanation of the reason why, and the right to a timely appeal. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Steak for Breakfast. And uh, that was the 45th President of the United States. I'd like to congratulate all of the uh, pundits out there and, you know, conservative influencers who have been taking pot shots at Donald Trump for the last couple of weeks saying he's been both inactive and not in the fight because yesterday he did a really good job of kind of stirring everything up with the uh, – Trump NFT playing cards got both sides of the aisle complaining about them. Yeah, I was wondering where that was going. I was like, that's just weird. But I mean, mm. I guess I like it. I didn't buy one, but 12 hours, 45,000 NFTs, $4.5 million. Mm. The guy could still uh, do a little Not bit a of business. Hit. A little bit of business. Yeah. And uh, as soon as the dust began to settle, he drops this, you know, policy platform launch and, and kind of puts big tech and the corporate media, uh, social medias across all platforms on notice that guess what? You guys could do whatever you want between now and then. When I become president in 2025, 
this is the way it's going down. If Congress isn't going to work with me, it'll be via executive order. Yeah, content of that video, amazing. And I hate to say anything negative, but video editing, a couple little, <laughs> Not little hiccups. For, okay, well, you know. That's just my OCD kicking in. I was just like, ooh, ooh. Maybe his engine room, guys, and, you're, and you can, when we do the interview, you guys can yeah, we'll, exchange we'll, we'll notes. Yeah, we'll so uh, Alan Jacoby, the host of The Great Divide, is with us today, and he'll be joining us for the entire show, providing commentary with us as well. And Antoinette's popping in and out, so great episode. We've got a whole bunch of guests coming in. Uh, obviously, Christina Bob's going to be here. We've teased her for a couple of weeks. Liz Harrington's going to be coming in. Obviously, she's going to throw some heaters in regard to not only this, but everything that's going on in Trump world. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of commentary at the bottom of the cold open from none other than Mr. Cash Patel one of Donald Trump's closest confidants and always a great provider of information. But before we get into any of that, Alan, how you doing? Well, it's good. What's going on, guys? It's almost Christmas. It certainly is. Happy holiday season to you and uh, getting ready for Merry Christmas, you know, coast to coast here. You're out in New York and we're over here in San Diego. But uh, we appreciate you coming on with us today and uh, always look forward to when you're on the show with us. Always a great time. I always appreciate you guys having me. So, Alan, what do you think? I mean, I know you, you're a big supporter of uh, Trump-era policies, and uh, when, when you see him rolling out something like that, it, it kind of, uh, you know, let everybody know that, you know, okay, I'm not here every single day. It's like 690-some-odd yeah. days before the election, but uh, I'll, I'll just throw, you know, some, some of the highlights that I saw, fire any federal bureaucrat who directly ha- or indirectly has engaged in censorship, and I like that, bar federal funds for colleges and universities that openly censor speech and then ban federal government from policing lawful domestic speech, something that, I mean, we've obviously seen since, you know, the 2015 when he came down the escalator. And uh, yeah. what, what did you think here in it, Alan? No, I, I love the fact that he came out with it now. And, you know, uh, we were talking about it, Rowan, you know, everyone's saying, oh, he's so inactive. What is he doing? Well, the holidays are here, you know, he's got things going on and, Again, 690 days away from the election. There is a going to be a time where we're going to get tired of seeing Donald Trump doing things. Okay. So he's, he's, I would say he's resting. He's, he's enjoying the holidays. He's gearing up and this restoring free speech um, uh, video he made, I think is unbelievable. And for him to come out and say that he's looking to as a, as a president who, when he was, uh, in office the first time, you know, the Republican Party, the party of law and order, and he was a law and order president. We were a law and order country saying that he's looking to push to prosecute any and all crimes identified in censoring speech and uh, from big tech giants and all of that, I think is great. I'm very intrigued about this uh, this bill, digital bill of rights that he'd like to pass. I, I can't wait to see what that's about. Um, it, it, it's great. Enact criminal penalties. Uh, for federal bureaucrats who partner again with private entities that that are going to violate our constitutional rights. Where do we see any Democrats advocating for free speech as much as Donald Trump and a lot of other conservatives behind him? Where do we see it? We don't, uh, at least I don't see it. And as far as the NFT thing on Twitter, which has exploded. And I know we, we were talking about, I'm using Twitter a lot more now and I, I despise Twitter and I notice I'm getting more traction. Maybe I don't have a shadow ban now and you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a, a lot more followers and I'm also getting a lot of left wing uh, pseudo journalists from these smaller outlets following me since the uh, 110th New York young Republican gal that I attended, I find interesting. Um, but the, 
the whole uh, atmosphere on Twitter that had a complete meltdown, uh, the left and some of the right about this big announcement. And it was these NFT trading cards. I think it's great because I kept trolling everybody on the left saying, yes, keep talking about it. Cause this is the great, the greatest advertising ever is you telling everyone how stupid it is. And then boom, 12 hours they sell out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing to see. I, I, I wish that, uh, you know, there's always that rule that the 24 hour rule, I mean, you know, with this new cycle, we can't always wait that long. But the fact of the matter, yeah. you should wait more than like breaking news to just absolutely hammer uh, everybody with this. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. I wasn't really expecting like, you know, Donald Trump to be in like nominating a vice presidential pick or talking about any real groundbreaking information. Because when he put out the teaser trailer the day before, it was like a Donald Trump with laser eyes and ripping open his shirt to be like a yeah. Superman like character. I'm like, okay. This is either going to be like silly or it's going to be like a troll. And it turned out to be a little bit of both. Long story short, everybody was talking about it, um, especially the gang over at War Room. Let's hear uh, some commentary from their show yesterday as this broke. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, <laughs> better than Washington, <laughs> with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible. Okay, I got it. I got it. I can't watch it again. Make it stop. Um, on a day when you have one of the most important announcements about really the coup and about big tech oligarchs involvement in it and what's going to happen and how you're going to clean out this mess. And the sense of urgency, I think it has to start now. That's why President Trump's got to get engaged in this omnibus, because we have the ability to execute on his plan now, although you don't control the White House, as command by negation with the House and the appropriations bill. This thing comes out, and this is whatever. And they said yesterday was going to be a big announcement. Look, I thought the announcement could be, people were coming to me, is he going to announce for speaker? Is he going to do this? Is Are the things he's going to do? What's this huge announcement? Quite frankly, if they had teased that it was the six-minute video on getting to the on, on free speech and getting to the destroying the ecosystem of lies and misrepresentations, uh, that would have been huge. But we got this. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah! If it would have, you would have teased the six-minute video, it would have got no traction. Yeah, it would have just been normal. Listen, it was it was like a perfect play, classic Trump. Remember, we do a little trolling here. We do a little That's trolling. It. And he's great at trolling, and it sounds like Steve Bannon put on weight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, you saw him Damn at the New York. Boy, he's thick. Boy, that's a thick ass boy. Damn. <laughs> you saw him at the gala last weekend, Alan. You can you can either oh. confirm or deny that allegation. I mean, I watch him every day on War Room. Uh, how many shirt how many shirts did he have on? I will say the and I quote, I, I emphasize rather, black tie event. Steve Bannon did not disappoint with his fashion choice of the corduroy pants, the untucked shirt, the whatever jacket he was wearing. It looks like a members only jacket and the three pens prominently displayed that. Uh, yeah, he sat there at the black tie event. In. And uh, I'm not quite, and I don't think he shaved. And I'm not quite sure if he bathed. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. Oh, 
Man, speaking of uh, people who you're great friends with, I did see a little bit later in that segment, Steve Bannon would be joined and flagged on both sides by Mr. Steve Cortez, former Trump administration official, and uh, your best friend, Sebastian Gorka, uh, to continue on this narrative. Let's hear them kind of just uh, cope and seethe over it a little bit. Called Trump Digital Trading Cards. Okay. These okay. cards feature some of the... I can't do this anymore. He's one of the greatest presidents in history, but I got to tell you, Fact whoever, what business partner, and anybody in the comms team, and anybody in Mar-a-Lago, and I love the folks down there, but we're at war. He means Brian they Jack. They ought to be fired today. You came out with something that's so important, which I still don't think gets to the heart of it. And hey... You don't have three harder cores than Cortez, Bannon, and Sub Gorka. <laughs> so when they're, and we're getting blown up all day on this. I mean, again, 690 days till the next election. We're not even into 2023. We understand there's a lot of stuff going up on Capitol Hill, but here's the thing everybody just got done blaming Donald Trump for all the bad stuff that happened in the midterm elections. We on this show know and educate our listenership on a bi weekly basis now that that is number one, not the case. And number two, uh, you know, Donald Trump has every right to you know, kind of lay his stuff out there in the fashion he wants. But we're going to remind everybody like we did on our Tuesday edition of the show. Guess what? Next weekend's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, and he lives at a resort and people are having galas and winter parties and he's rubbing elbows with donors. He's showing up at people's parties and spreading the holiday cheer, something he probably didn't get to do uh, much when he was president. I mean, there were some times where he was, you know, secretly going internationally to surprise troops and stuff like that. And there were other times where, well, he was either being impeached or there was a special counsel. Oh, guess what? He's under a special counsel now. Just let the man, Citizen Trump, candidate Trump, a year before 2023, we're not even there yet, jump in and enjoy his friggin' holiday season. No. I know. Right. How dare we? Fact of the matter is, I thought the platform he laid out there was good. I like the fact that he dropped the NFT early and got everyone on all corners of the internet. I mean, you can't get much more MAGA. And I thought the NFT was kind of dumb initially. I think I said that to you. I was just okay. like, yeah, this seems kind of lame. But then it makes perfect sense now. I actually told you I wasn't going to buy it while I was literally buying it. Oh, nice. Yeah. I had no interest in it at all. I'm not into those things. I think it's great because when I saw, I, immediately when I saw that, I said, yeah, there has to be some trolling here. There's something else. There's something else. And everybody's talking about this ridiculous NFT thing. And then boom. There was something else and everybody was talking about it and all attention went to it. And I think it was well received. And again, I loved how everyone on the left was completely destroying him on Twitter, but they kept talking about it and they kept posting the pictures and then they went crazy when they realized it all sold out in 12 hours. Yeah. They, uh, it got people who wouldn't have normally have even watched the video to see it because it was something that was fresh in their minds. They're like, oh, what's this crazy guy going to do now? And then they watch the video, and it's just like, oh, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. No, I, I like free speech. Yeah, I think everybody likes free speech, and it was a good way to like, – listen, Alan, you said both sides of the aisle. Let's hear the other side. I mean, so if you're looking at a MAGA scale of 1 to 10, us obviously being a 10, uh, you know, we just heard War Room. There's somewhere between, like, depending on the day, 7 and 8. Uh, you know, sometimes – Talking about gold and survival food isn't like really that MAGA, but you get listen, you got to pay the bills and keep the lights on. But here's resident racist and former Bush appreciator Nicole Wallace on MSNBC joking around with one of her panels, not as prominent as Gorka and Cortez. These guys both look like two soy boys, but here's them taking pot shots at the Donald Trump NFT launch. Neil, we take these little pieces of the iceberg that, that pop up and, and, and we try to understand what we can about the nature of the special counsel investigation. Oh but what in your expert view do you see? 
So I think you're right about these pieces of an iceberg. And if I'm Donald Trump right now looking at these different pieces, I would spend a lot less time spending my a lot less time like selling tacky overpriced action cards and a lot more time thinking about, hey, I'm facing some criminal charges here uh, or potentially. So to me, the subpoenas do two things on the small level. They indicate that the Justice Department is taking a very close look at this fake elector scheme, which I think should make Trump quite nervous. And then I think on the bigger level, it's really them saying, we're not just concerned about January 6th, we're concerned about the events leading up to January 6th. And that means they're gonna scrutinize all the ways in which Trump attempted to overturn the election. So there there you had it. You had somebody scribbling with a Sharpie while another person was talking. Where is this guy recording from? Is he a cashier at Whole Foods? Is that like people walking through the front door or something? Then you had somebody's ring notification going off over and over again. (laughs) Listen, so Don- I guess they so Donald Trump launches the NFT and they jump right onto the show to say like, okay, let's hit all the hot points. We got special counsel. We'll talk about that for thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. We'll parlay that into a little January sixth committee, and uh, the, the overall arching narrative is Trump is finished, and uh, he was nothing but uh, winning yesterday, and that that's the fact of the matter. Um, I, I just think that uh, you know you have to take into context. The way this man operates, it's completely unorthodox. It's outside the box. And if you want to know, if everybody keeps calling, I want the political outsider back from 2015 and 2016. He needs to come back. We need to have that Trump. Now, I don't know if Donald Trump's going to jump into the uh, 2024 presidential election cycle this time and be calling people's wives fat and ugly on stage. No, but I like it. No, we love it. But the fact of the matter is I think he's going to be a little bit more polished in his delivery because he's uh, already been through the fight one time. Uh, Someone who's getting ready... And riding off into the sunset, thank Godfully, mm. is uh, Crazy Nancy. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw this. She sat down for an exclusive two-on-one lunch yesterday uh, on CNN with Chuck Schumer. Wait, they're giving that lady food while she's supposed God. to talk at the same time? It seems like a recipe for disaster. Well, you should have seen what, speaking of recipes for disaster, wait until you see what happened when the lady asked her about Donald Trump when she was trying to shove her face. You're stepping aside. Do you think President Biden should step aside for a younger generation? I think President Biden has done an excellent job as president of the United States. I hope that he does seek re-election. He's been a great president. Look at what he's accomplished. You think he should run again? Yeah, he's done an excellent, excellent job. And he runs, I'm going to support him all the way. Right now, Donald Trump is the only Republican who has announced he could be the nominee. He could be president again. You've been through the first presidency. You've been through January 6th. What would oh, it mean God. if Donald Trump was reelected president? I don't think it'll happen. The American people have gotten wise to him. Mm. What was that noise? Is she choking? It took a little while, cheating. but they did. I don't think that we should talk about him while we're eating. Oh. <laughs> See? <laughs> really? Another Trump presidency? You call Donald Trump, quote, insane. I think there's a need for an intervention there by his family or somebody. You know, I don't think he's on the... Did you guys hear what happened yesterday when somebody asked her about filling out... uh, Does she consider herself uh, confident in in saying that she'll finish her term? 
Oh, you no. didn't, you didn't see her her uh, congressional send off uh, speech yesterday? No, did she I get couldn't mad? watch it. Right before we jump out of this segment, let's just play this last one. Will you commit to serving your full two year term for the people of San Francisco? What is this? What is this? Don't bother me with a question like that. Oh. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, okay. Is that what I'm going to do? Okay, okay. Can I yeah. finish? I don't. Those kind of questions are just a waste of my time. No, I'm. A, yes, sir. What a nasty old bitch! I can't stand her and she's her gross. America last milkers that she's got uh, going on there. Stop bringing them up. Stop oh, bringing them up. Mimosas at this lunch. God, I would have. I would have just. You keep bringing them up, and gravity keeps bringing them down. Once I saw the clip yesterday on social media, I was like, well. I, I see her and I hear the way she's talking with her mouth full of food. I'm like, if it's on social media already, it means she didn't choke on the pierogi she was eating with her hands. Yeah, they must have put the extra strength uh, denture cream in that day. I think she's going to end up in Italy. Yeah, I think. Well, I think she's going to be the ambassador to Italy. I don't think she's going to fill yeah. out. I think she's going to go and I. Here's my. I honestly think Congress is going to get their shit together. I think they're going to try their hardest with their extremely small majority to do something that they could roll into 2024 as a positive. And I think she's going to be so turned off by the fact that people are swallowing their prides to actually get this country back on the right track. And this is like the biggest amount of hopium you'll get on steak for breakfast. I'm not telling you about like overturning elections or any of that other bullshit. What I'm telling you is, is that I think Congress will attempt to do the right thing. And I think she's going to be so sickened by it that she's going to want to either like Alan said, just get out of politics altogether, or she's going to take that open ambassadorship that Joe Biden has teased to her um, yeah. as as part of the, uh, you know, second two years of his term. I also heard real quick, I do want to touch on this before we jump on, because we're going to be calling Cash Patel here in a minute to get commentary on all the stuff that we've covered in our cold open today. So now there's rumors about, you know, Kamala Harris has become so irrelevant and her polling, I mean, honestly, she polled at under 2% nationally and she bowed out before her own state primary election, uh, you know, in the 2020 cycle. So a lot of people are saying now that a dark horse to, you know, bait and switch Harris is Kirsten Cinema. Because if you run a three-horse race in Arizona, what let, let's say Gallegos, who's the Democrat that a lot of people want to run, he's more of an establishment Democrat, and she's more of a corporate Democrat. Uh, they are two totally different things. If he gets in the race, any Republican would beat them because they'll split the vote. Now, people are saying, like, well, that's not true because Chuck Schumer will come in and save her. Let me tell you something. I know, and I have heard from people up on Capitol Hill, Chuck Schumer is not happy with her registering as an independent, and he has not guaranteed her to remain on the caucuses that she was, which means she's going to possibly whip with the Republicans in some stopping of America last policies that the Biden administration wants to crank through. And, 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 and you know, that's been the one thing that this administration has been able to hang their hat on for as bad as the country is right now in every way, shape, and form. Joe Biden has won legislative victory after legislative victory the entirety of his presidency there's been very little that's been shot down and pretty much whatever's been shot down has just been retooled reworded and then eventually passed and and, and allowed him to sign it uh-huh. and it's because number one republicans have been weak and number two in every case across the country except tim ryan's senatorial seat uh, out there in, in ohio the democrats circle the wagons better than republicans do Republicans usually do every man for himself and every man for him and his five friends. And Democrats said we're going to be a unified front because if we're going to run on MAGA is a threat to democracy, then we need to show a unified front against it. And even though we're fucking crazy asses, there's a girl up there who, you know, has purple hair, who's a House representative. There's a four star admiral 
who tells everybody it's a girl and it's a fucking dude. The assistant secretary of health and human services is literally a guy in a dress. But we're going to tell them we're the normal alternative to these people who are crazy. And uh, it's worked to their advantage so far. So. You heard that Kristen Cinema maybe bait and switching with Kamala Harris as a possible Joe Biden running mate in 2024 here first. And mm. uh, probably for some other breaking news that you're not going to get anywhere else today. Let's jump in right now with one of our absolute best friends. All right. Coming in hot with some uh, commentary on the big Trump social media and big tech Blow up yesterday is the former chief of staff to the Department of Defense, great friend of the show, special assistant to Donald Trump, Mr. Cash Patel. Thanks for joining us via the phone today. Hey, thanks guys for having me. It's always good to be on the program. No, we appreciate it. We know you're busy and uh, a little bit of unscheduled, but we got you in here. So yesterday we saw Donald Trump take a massive shot across the bow of big tech and the corporate media with uh, his big announcement. In addition to that, real quick before we get into that, which Trump NFT did you buy? <laughs> State secret, that's classified. I don't want the DOJ or FBI coming after me for releasing that information. I like the way you think, sir. Uh, but anyways, th this announcement that came out yesterday was huge. He laid out a multi-pronged yeah. platform right there, uh, putting everybody uh -huh. on notice from keeping your receipts to the executive orders he's going to write after he's sworn in and kind of laid the groundwork for the people who are in Congress now. Like, listen, this is the road we need to go on. And uh, I'm going to make it happen when I'm president in 2025, but you guys can do a lot of the work now. What did you think when you saw it, and uh, how do you feel about it? I saw what Donald Trump did in 2016 to win the presidency. I saw what he said and what I believe he was going to campaign on, which is going back to that um, style of putting out policies and decisions for the American people. That's what won him the presidency. That's what got him 75 million votes the second go-round, because he is focused on how to solve it. Free speech could not have been more at the center of our society than it is today with everything Elon Musk is doing in company. But what he said was more. He said we, as you said, have to go after it together. We got to take out Section 230 so we can sue and hold Twitter and Facebook accountable when they defame people, when they participate in fraudulent schemes. They can no longer have the protection that was given to them to basically get out of jail free cards because they are the largest media empire in the world and they must be held to account. We also ban people from working, i.e. James Baker, yep. from getting a golden parachute out of the FBI and going to Twitter and doing his criminal activities there with his former FBI pals and cronies. We ban that. And then we actually put together free speech platforms like Truth Social that are true to the word being free speech. And look, Elon Musk is doing some stuff right. I've called him out on a lot of things. Yep. I'm still waiting for the FBI files to be released, the emails, the memorandums, and the correspondences. Why he doesn't think or believe the FBI was in on it when James Baker was calling the balls in strike is just another example of me being either misinformed or selectively allowing information to go out. The FBI material is coming out one way or the other, either through congressional subpoenas or Elon Musk can get ahead of it. And for some reason, he hasn't done it so far. So we, as Donald Trump said, have a lot of work to do because if we're going to fix free speech and, and put it really in front and center of our society, then we have to redefine what it is. And that is what our founding fathers meant it to be, which is free speech. Free speech, and that's pretty much it right there, Cash. You know, there have been a lot of people, especially in conservative media, who have been like, I don't know if it's impatient since the you know Trump rolled out his uh, 2024 uh, election rollout and, and, you know, just yeah. have like felt like he's – 
Donald Trump did a really good thing yesterday. He dropped that NFT, which kind of got both sides of the aisle and all of social media all riled up. He was trending everywhere. And then as soon as like the dust started to settle, he's like, oh, yeah, let me drop my first big presidential platform. One of the things that are going to be my centerpiece. Instead of everybody wondering why he's not in the ring, yesterday everybody found out that Donald Trump is not only in the middle of the ring, but he's the number one contender. And anybody else that wants to think that he's being inactive or not doing enough, Donald Trump is always working behind the scenes. This isn't like he woke up yesterday morning and said, you want to know what? I'm going to write up this massive big tech platform on a, on a napkin, and then I'm going to read it in front of a camera. This is obviously something that's been in the works for a while, and I think it's well-pointed heading into the holiday season, just so everybody can remember exactly who the number one contender in the Republican Party is. Yeah, I, look, I think if he issues, and I believe he will, issues 10 or 15 more of these videos, maybe one a month, on one on national security, one on FBI corruption, one on the border, one on drugs, one on foreign affairs, you know, one on the economy, one on health insurance. This is the Donald Trump that was elected in 2015 on those ideas. And if yeah. he gives 10 or 15 more presentations like that, forget being the Republican front, candidate front runner. He will be the front runner. And that's what I think the, the, the campaign um, is going to focus on. And people are like, oh, my God, why hasn't he done anything? I'm like, hey, the election's two years plus away. What do you mean? Why? He told you he's running for president. You know, we haven't even gotten to January of 2023 yet. I mean, they want, you know, what, everything on day one? <clears throat> you know, what does Joe Biden announce he's going to do uh, when he runs again? What is he going to run on? Cratering the economy, destroying America first, crushing free speech, uh, spiking the drug trade, allowing our children to be killed by Chinese fentanyl and having the border become a third world invasion. I mean, that's literally the stack of information that his candidacy has proven um, that is important to him versus Donald Trump and those videos. And if you haven't seen it, you got to go watch it on two social immediately. It was a fantastic, not political speech. It was, I know free speech is in jeopardy and this is how we're going to fix it. If he does that for the major issues of the day, it's not even going to be close. No, it certainly isn't, and uh, I think everybody ha kind of had to take a step back yesterday and be like, okay, you want to know what? Maybe I have been poking the bear a little bit too hard, and man, did he answer the call. And uh, like you yeah. said, I saw a lot of 2015-2016 vibes yesterday, and I know that he's just getting started. I can't wait till the next round of videos come out. Cash, we're going to be seeing you again in our 200th episode on, on the 30th of December. Yeah. We want to wish you the very happiest of holiday seasons. We hope you eat a lot of elk, egg, and cheese sandwiches in between now and then. <laughs> and uh, Listen, at the end of the day, we're extremely thankful for your friendship and for the fact that you could come and deliver heaters like that, you know, just on a whim. And uh, our listenership really appreciates the fact that you come on our show so much. It's made it one of your favorite shows. And uh, we want to be able to have everybody following you. If they're not already, there's only one place to find you, and you got a pretty simple handle. What is it? At Cash, at KSH on Free Social, you're right, that's it. And look, you guys are one of my favorite um, shows to come on and do. I can't wait for your for your 200th episode um, next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and same to you guys. Listen, Merry Christmas. Take some time off. You guys work harder than most people will ever know. Um, spend time with your families. And, yeah, maybe have a PBO with your elk, egg, and cheese. I won't stop you. Nice. But uh, happy holidays, guys. Merry Christmas to you and the entire uh, family. Merry Christmas to you as well, my friend. This is the former chief of staff to the DOD, one of Donald Trump's biggest guns. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for jumping on the show with us real quick. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Like, we're down here basically in a fake debate. That's what we all know. I mean, the truth is, it's not like we have a body, the, the chamber filled here with human beings debating this $1.7 trillion while we're $32 trillion in debt. I would be happy to. 
Why don't we actually roll our sleeves up around these tables and do the work? But we don't do that. We're literally down here. We're going to do, what, 30 minutes aside if we even do that? Right? And then what? We're going to vote. We're going to vote on a rule that packages together, as I said, deeming has passed a House bill on federal agency reporting goals with a House amendment to a previously passed Senate amendment to pass a $1.7 trillion omnibus combined with a CR for an extension for a week in a lame duck Congress. Like, that's the truth. And the American people pull their hair out. They go, gosh, what on earth is happening in Washington? Well, I'll tell them what's happening in Washington, this. This is what is happening in Washington. We know what this is about. This is jamming through a bill at the 11th hour to get the political priorities of the current Democratic majority, and a handful of Senate Republicans are happy to do it so they can get pork. The House and the Senate has requested a total of $16 billion for 7,500 earmarks. The top requester, Senator Richard Shelby, ranking member of Senate Appropriations with $656 million. This is a nice little send-off for the appropriators in the Senate. But the fact of the matter is the American people are the ones who get screwed in this deal. They're the ones who end up losing their country with $32 trillion in debt. There is no justification for ramping up spending an additional 10% for non-defense discretionary after all the money that's been spent under COVID and using the Defense Department as the backs upon which you're going to place the debt of our children and grandchildren and say that, oh yeah, we're doing this for defense. That is just wrong. At what point are we actually gonna do the work of the American people in the people's house? At what point are we gonna actually debate? At what point are we actually going to amend? At what point are we actually going to live within our means and stop writing checks we can't cash? The American people are staring at us, they throw their hands up in the air, and they wonder what has become of the country that their brothers and sisters and dads and moms and daughters and sons have fought for. Why do we stand in front of that flag? Why do we open in prayer? Why do we say the Pledge of Allegiance if we're going to rip apart the flag right here in this body, in this chamber? Because that's what we're doing. Using backroom deals, dropping these bills on the floor, and not allowing us to actually engage in debate over these important matters. Ladies and gentlemen, the American people are tired of spending money we don't have, and they're tired of open borders. They're tired of empowering bureaucrats like the FBI. They're tired of forced vaccine mandates of the Department of Defense. They're tired of an IRS harassing the American people, allegedly for more revenue. They're tired of an NIH and a CDC making it up as they go along and shutting down economies and jamming it down the throats of the American people. They're tired of an EPA and a Department of Interior restricting Americans' ability to have reliable energy. The American people are tired of it. I hope help is on the way. I'm glad that Republicans seem united against this in the House. And I'm looking at Mitch McConnell when I say this. Do your job, Leader McConnell. Mm. Do your job and follow the wishes of the American people who gave a majority to Republicans in the House of Representatives. And let's stop this bill. That was Texas I yield back. Congressman Chip Roy on the House floor the other day talking about the continuing resolution that's now in place to what they're hoping to fund the omnibus another omnibus they want everybody to get on the bus and all the pork that's included in that which would fund the government through september of 2023 there's a lot of junk in that and which includes you know literature regarding the electoral count act and a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't secure our border or fight fentanyl make cities any safer or bring inflation down it does add 1.7 trillion dollars to our budget um, in addition to having Alan Jacoby with us today, we're now bringing in 
soon-to-be best-selling author, her newest book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024, Attorney for President Trump's 2024 Campaign. Ms. Christina Bob, thanks for coming back with us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I always love being on your podcast. Tons of stuff to unpack before we even get into that clip, which you heard. Uh, let's tell our listenership we just missed the bus, not the omnibus, but the actual bus. You, you started teasing your book across news platforms the day after you were on our show last time. <laughs> but here you are today, and uh, we're going to let everybody know what you've got coming down the pike. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, thank you for giving me a second chance after I missed it on your last show. Uh, I'm I'm new at this. I'm a new author. So I'm excited about this book. I wanted to give everybody the behind the scenes peek of what was happening post 2020 when we were trying to clean up the elections. I go into detail about my time with Rudy Giuliani in January 6th and then everything from the Arizona audit to Wisconsin to Pennsylvania to everything that was happening in the, the politicking. Um, so the book really focuses on the relationship uh, and the communications that I had with elected officials at that time. So um, I, I hope that people feel like they understand the process better, they understand what happened, and that they see their role in cleaning up our elections, because a lot of the stuff that has come out has just come out because of regular citizens who didn't want to take it anymore and just got involved and started digging themselves. And that's how we've gotten a lot of our information. So um, I hope it's inspiring, encouraging, and infuriating. Yeah, I've already ordered my copy, and I'm excited mm -hmm. to... Uh jump right into it. And in addition to that, you uh, look to have something that's going to give people an insider look that they're not going to get many other places. I mean, we talk about a lot of the stuff that you saw and went through throughout the course of, you know, your service to the country and obviously to President Trump. But uh, it's going to be good to have it in print. And it's going to be a great addition to our Steak for Breakfast library here. So we're excited for that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. In addition to that, we have had a lot of people, pundits on, you know, our team, Team MAGA lately, who who have seemed relatively frustrated with, uh, I don't know what what you could call it, maybe like non-action from Donald Trump, really, yeah. since he's uh, launched his presidential kickoff for 2024. Mm -hmm. I do want to remind our listening audience that today we sit here on Friday, December 16th, the year of our Lord, 2022, <laughs> and we are 690 days away from the 2024 presidential election. So we still have a little bit of time right. to get things rolling, but Donald Trump came out swinging yesterday. Two-pronged attack. First one was a massive troll that pretty much triggered everybody across everywhere. That was the Donald Trump trading card NFTs. I already got mine, so don't even speculate on whether or not I did. I, I got mine. And but, <laughs> but, but shortly after that, he released an amazing audio uh you know, presentation, which kind of outlined and sent a huge shot across the bow of big tech. And yep. you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, I, I know you probably have seen it. I don't know how much you, you were involved, yeah. in, but I mean, it was just, I, I do like the things that he said in that, not only the bullet points, but when I'm inaugurated, when I become president again, he really did kind of just let everybody know, like, listen, you can only call me out for so long. He may not be back on Twitter yet, but he did an excellent job of making sure that video was every single place I was at yesterday and everybody was sharing it. So I think message received that that's just a yeah. sneak peek into what's coming down the road. A lot of people forget it's the holiday season and like right. people enjoy time with their families. Plus he lives at Mar-a-Lago and he probably wants to pop in on all those events that people are paying to have there as well because he's Donald Trump. And, he is and Donald Trump. So, but what do you, what do you think about the big tech uh, and, the, and the censorship uh, video that came out yesterday? 
Yeah, I think it's great. I think, um, you know, it's right in line with his America First policies and his priorities. Basically, what he's saying is we need to get back to our constitutional values and our constitutional rights. I mean, he says he wants to ban federal agencies from colluding to censor American citizens. That is a violation of the First Amendment. Yet nobody's enforcing our rights, our First Amendment rights. So he's saying he's going to do that. He wants to ban taxpayer dollars from being used to label speech as mis or disinformation. Again, that's a propaganda tactic that we've seen the radical left do to uh, really really harm Americans. I mean, look at what they did with COVID. They banned legitimate information that could have saved lives. I would say it, it cost people lives sure. with what they were doing with speech. He wants to fire every federal bureaucrat who's engaged in domestic censorship. He wants to stop federal funding for all nonprofits and academic programs engaged in censorship. He wants to suspend federal dollars to any university that has engaged in censorship. He wants to order the DOJ to investigate all parties involved in online censorship and prosecute in any prosecute any and all crimes identified. I mean, who would think that a presidential candidate would come out and say, I want to prosecute crimes? Like, <laughs> don't they all want to do that? But no, I no. mean, we, we see the Department of Justice refuse to prosecute election crimes and they refuse to prosecute censorship crimes. And so he's basically saying... I, I'm going to uphold the law. And there were there were a few more other in there, but you know, those were the priorities. Yeah. But he's just saying we're going to enforce the law, we're going to abide by our constitutional rights, and we're going to reestablish them. No, it's uh, definitely a direction we need to go in. And, and like I said, there was a lot of great stuff in there. We played it in its entirety at the top of our show today in our cold open, and I just wanted to get a little bit of commentary on that. Before we get into all the fun stuff that you used to have to go through when you worked for the federal government, and that's budgetary <laughs> items. We do see this yep. battle up on Capitol Hill right now for the continuing resolution that they're trying yep. to get to lead to an omnibus, which will put a Band-Aid and pretty much thank Nancy Pelosi for her service for the next year. Mm -hmm. um, we all know the big pushback from Republicans is, first of all, they're not going to have their hands on the first budget of the two years that they're in service. So that's kind of pointless for winning back the majority in the House. That's number yeah. one. Number two, they're not happy with a lot of people who that budget has appropriations in it for, specifically the FBI, the DOJ, especially the Department of Homeland Security, and a oh, lot of yeah. the other you know agencies that operate under the guise of the funding that's in that bill. I, I think they're, they're so ready to begin the investigation into Alejandro Mayorkas uh, after January 3rd uh, that they don't really want to give him his full funding to you know, allow all of the resources in the Department of Homeland Security to continue to act like Walmart greeters after Title 42 yeah. goes away next Tuesday. So it, it's just really interesting to see, uh, you know, Republicans showing a little bit of a spine. But the fact of the matter is the uh, the answer is going to come in the, in the Senate because they're the ones that are going to pass it on to Joe Biden eventually. And yeah. Much to nobody's surprise, Mitch McConnell just seems completely disinterested in anything that services the American people. And well, weird. Mitch, yeah. Mitch McConnell is clearly part of the establishment. Yeah. He is part of the swamp. He's part of the problem. I, I do not expect for the remainder of Mitch McConnell's time in office, I do not expect him to ever be part of the solution. So the fact that it's Republicans in the Senate that are keeping this thing alive, I mean, this they, they should have cut so much out of this. Um, a while ago, we shouldn't even need to be talking about it right now. But they're doing it because I think they see the writing on the wall. They're, they're pork spending to line their own pockets and um, to benefit themselves at the expense of the American people. It's coming to an end. I know 
you know, we see a lot of um, crime still happening that's going unpunished, but it's exposed now. And the American people understand what's happening in ways that they hadn't understood before. And it is coming to an end. I don't know if it's going to be this month, next year, two years, you know, 2025, who knows? But um, I think the, the old school establishment Republicans, and of course, all the Democrats know that the games they've been playing are are coming to an end. And so they're trying to uh, establish it and solidify it for as long as they can. You know, the fact that they, they want to do this CR is because they understand that what's coming, they, they won't have the ability to do this anymore. They, they used to not need to do it this extreme in this obvious of a manner, but they have to now because what's coming in the future won't allow them to continue to do it. So as ugly and frustrating as this is, I, I see it as a good thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see him, you know, get reined in. But I think at this point, he's just going to kind of make like life difficult for everybody. Yeah. You, know, you you heard him made those comments this week just about, you know, he was referring back to candidate quality. And then. Yeah. He, he, oh, yeah. Because Carrie Lake was such a bad candidate compared to Katie Hobbs. Right. Give me a break. And by the way, I'm really excited about that because I think Carrie's lawsuit, along with Fincham and Amhamade and Sonny Borelli, you know, the voters, there's several challenges going on in Arizona, which I think are are really, really good. I'm excited to see what happens in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, they got to get to the bottom of something that's got on there. It's been like three straight election cycles now where it's been like an absolute dumpster fire for Republicans. Yeah. And uh, I just hope it goes somewhere. Yeah. It, yeah. That's well, the most I, frustrating I think it thing. I think, I think it's got legs, and I think it's so obvious. I mean, the entire yeah. nation is watching it going, this cannot be real. You know, like everybody everybody knows. I mean, Rasmussen did a poll, and 72% of the voters in Arizona, voters, not Republicans, 72% mm-hmm. of the voters believe that the election was rigged or somehow not fair. Yeah. You can't have a state where your people don't believe their leaders are legitimate. So, yeah. Um, do yeah, you see I, I an avenue? Do you, do you see an avenue in in this in this challenge and lawsuit where it could there could be a slim chance of an overturn of that election 100%. or a redo of 100%. it? One hundred percent. Carrie Lake has them dead to rights. I mean, she's got whistleblowers from the ballot printing company saying that over three hundred thousand illegal ballots were inserted into Ooh. the tally. They've got a whistleblower from the company, the machine company that certifies the machines to say that the machines are um, good to go for the election. And that whistleblower says that the error that occurred on election day, we all remember over half of the machines broke and so Republicans couldn't vote on election day. Um, that error was intentional. That that was not a, a machine malfunction. It was somebody had to intentionally insert the wrong uh, instructions to the machine for them to malfunction that way. Um, they've got emails from Katie Hobbs's office to Twitter, uh, suppressing political speech when she's the secretary of state and a candidate for governor. They've got uh, coordination between CISA, Twitter, and Stephen Richer, the Maricopa County recorder. I mean, I can go on and on. They have yeah. so much evidence. This thing is so chock full to show. And then you have the Democrat candidate, the secretary of state, running the election, threatening counties saying, if you don't certify this election, we're going to prosecute you criminally. You have to declare me the winner or else we're going to throw you in jail. I mean, that's that illegal. Well, no, it's not. That's my point. Carrie Lake has such a solid case on this. Um, The only challenge I think she needs to overcome, which has been a big one, is the judges. Are the judges brave enough to actually do the right thing? And 
I don't know. I don't, I mean, the evidence and the law are clearly, clearly on Carrie Lake's side. Um, but we'll, we'll see what the judges do. I, but I a hundred percent believe that it's possible. Yeah. If you would have gone through that entire laundry list and left out names and locations and just been like, and that's what's happening right now in Venezuela. Just kidding. Yeah. It was Arizona. <laughs> it, it would have been completely yeah. believable. Imagine that it's Maricopa County yeah. again. Yep. Venezuela County. Yeah. There you go. I like that nickname. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an up and down road. Uh, you know, for the uh, House and the Senate right now as they're trying to get their bearings. And we know there's obviously still a huge battle going on for who's going to be Speaker of the House. And uh, we've seen challenges to the RNC chair uh, with Harmeet Dillon having her, uh, you know, thrown her name in the ring. And we'll have to see where that all goes. We're going to have some votes after Christmas time here. And, uh, you know, all of this is going to contribute what actually happens regarding this uh, budgetary funding. I did see Crazy Bernie was out over the weekend whipping ah. for the Democrats and talking about how not funding the government is probably the end of democracy. Let's hear him, uh, well, oh, ask people for money. Short-term extensions are just a temporary solution to the ongoing crisis. <laughs> uh, clearly, what I worry about is Republican efforts Uh, to hold hostage next year, if we don't get an omnibus bill passed, uh, to hold hold hostage uh, the the government uh, in order to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And that I would vigorously oppose. You got a lot of seniors out there who are not making it on Social Security today. A lot of working people who are approaching (laughs) retirement who have nothing in the bank. Uh, I don't want to see Social Security or Medicare cut. I will oppose that vigorously. So why don't they have anything in the bank anymore, Bernie? Because the last two years of living in the Joe Biden economy, yeah. it's it's right. What a joke! Uh, it's just, it's just embarrassing to see. You know, th- they use those scare tactics right there to try and you know make everybody go crazy about Social Security yeah. and Medicare, and it's just, and they're not talking about the real issues, the issues that are actually destroying our country. Yeah, it's so weird. Why is everybody poor all of a sudden? Yeah. Well, and then the Social Security thing, it's like, it's not like they're actively trying to get rid of it. It just puts it back up for a vote every year, right? Is that yeah. That's basically yeah. what it is. Yeah. Who cares? Everybody's going to vote for it. Like, nobody wants it to go away. And if they do want it to go away, it'll be their last term in office because yeah. then the constituents will more than likely vote them out. I mean, I already know yeah. I'm not getting Social Security, but I got a little ways to go. Agreed. But uh, nobody really wants to be the, the senator or the House representative that defunds grandma and grandpa. Now, make it optional to pitch in for it. Hmm. I'd go for that. I'll check, yeah. that bo- I'll check that box right now. I like Just it. Just tired of seeing my 401k as a 201k. It's like, yeah. what's going on? $157,000 in the mm. red this year I am. Just looked the other day. I was like, yeah, it's been like a month. Let me check it out. And I was like, nah, I'm never looking again. I don't look, yeah. Ooh, that's painful. I yeah, I won't tell you how how, how bad I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know. That sounds terrible. I, I can't. Oh, man. Oh, we need Donald Trump back. That's okay. when I was doing really good. He's coming. He's coming. Yeah, it was good. He's coming. He's that's coming. right. He's coming. So, here's the thing. Not only are they fighting back and forth about whether or not the omnibus should even be considered going up for a vote. Fact of the matter is just about nobody's seen it. it it's about three and a half nice. feet high if you laid it on a table. And there's so much junk in there, you can't even believe it's like the earmarks have earmarks. Utah Senator Mike Lee weighed in the other day saying like, listen, even if we have to try to have a vote. And here's the other thing for all our listenership. If you see any of your Congress people, the ones you like, or the ones that are, you know, the representatives from your district or the senators from your state, and they're up in Washington, D.C. this week talking about this stuff, 
they're pissed because everybody knows that about December 15-ish, that whole city shuts down and there ain't anybody there. And now they all have to stay a whole nother week because not only is the vote so important to try and preserve Nancy Pelosi's legacy in the House and to be able to hang that over House Republicans for an entire calendar year, they don't want to be marked not present because they'll be able to use that them use that against them in future campaigns. But let's hear the Utah Senator talk about doesn't matter how much time we have, no one's ever going to be able to read all of this. On the omnibus, if we were to pass my proposed continuing resolution, the one extending the deadline by a few weeks, still doesn't preclude Congress from passing this omnibus or any omnibus during this Congress. Now, I, I'm against it. I'm against doing that for the reasons I've articulated, and especially because I haven't seen it. None of us have seen it. The public hasn't seen it. The press hasn't seen it. I assume someone K Street might have seen it, but that Mm. is part of the problem. Mm. Um, I I don't think anybody likes it when they bring up the actual word K Street. I mean, we we make fun of it all the time. That is a very interesting point, too, and it's uh, telling who's actually running our government. Mm. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, Man, I've I've been hearing the words... uh, what are the consultants and vendors more since the midterm elections than I have ever heard in my life. Uh, yeah, it's really ugly. Really, really ugly. Well, I mean, part of that's the growing pains that, that our Congress needs to go through to get back to normal levels because they are quite the opposite these days and uh, have been operating in such since Donald Trump got in there, uh, you know, with basically like the Paul Ryan led mutiny, which led to the Mitch McConnell led mutiny and then them teaming up to make Donald Trump's life extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and, you know, they haven't acted the same way since. And, you know, they like to to hold people to a certain standard of like, OK, you're this because you support that or you support this person and therefore it makes you irrelevant or a threat to democracy and insurrectionist and all this other garbage. It has nothing to do with serving the American people. Um, but you know, I think moving forward, hopefully they've learned enough lessons. I've seen like, I mean, Christina, you were at the New York young Republicans club gala last weekend and, mm-hmm. and you saw a lot of the younger leaders in the movement and the speeches that they gave urging their leaders on to harness this nationalist populist movement and really yeah. make it their own because all it does is benefit the country. Yeah, it was really interesting to see New York, how conservative the Republicans in New York were. It was really encouraging. I was excited to see, you know, hundreds of young New Yorkers that are very conservative and very based in their political ideologies um, coming out and kind of demanding the correct course of action from their leaders. I thought it was great. Yeah, Alan's a proud member of the club and uh, some of our most frequent and favorite guests, Gavin Wax, Fish Burra, Alex Brusewitz, Raheem Kassam, were all some of the speakers there and gave amazing speeches that, you know, kind of lend credit to what Christina's saying about the the level of conservatism and, and the, you know, uh, way you should feel optimistic about how even in the crappiest places on earth, like New York, they can have a, you know, bastion of young conservative movement there that just makes it yeah. seem like, uh, you know, a lot more than it, uh, leads on to believe. I saw Senator Rand Paul jumped on with, uh, former Trump administration official, Larry Kudrow yesterday. He was on his show talking about some of this stuff to do with the omnibus and how Senate Republicans in his eyes are caving as usual. And it kind of, well, it makes Rand Paul probably want to question Dr. Fauci about some stuff. Let's hear it. This this brings upon us the lie that Republicans really are fiscally conservative. The Democrats aren't. They will not pretend to be fiscally conservative. Not one of them up here gives a darn about the debt. 
Republicans all profess to, but when you make them vote on the PAYGO resolution, pay-as-you-go, that we can't have new spending without offsetting it, yep. they always vote to exempt it. So the omnibus will be 3,000 pages. We'll get it two hours before they want to pass it. No one will read it. But hidden in the 3,000 pages will be we're going to waive PAYGO. So Steve Moore's right. It would take 41 votes. But the other thing is 41 votes would stop the big spending. If 41 of us said no and held our ground until there was a compromise, we could force Democrats to reduce spending. We have completely and totally abdicated the power of the purse. Republicans are emasculated. They have no power, and they are unwilling to gain that power back. The only way they can get it, divide the spending into 12 bills, and then decide to hold one of them hostage or two of them hostage, and then apply policy changes in the House. But they've got to do it. They've got to capture this, and we'd have to do the budget the way it's supposed to be. Budget. 12 appropriation bills, and then try to attach some policy, like removing the 87,000 IRS agents from the IRS budget. When we try to do it in one bill, the Republicans don't have the intestinal fortitude. They always collapse, and they fear shutting government down so no policy objectives ever get added. The only way we can do it is if we actually do what we're supposed to do, budget, 12 appropriation bills, and then decide which ones you want to fight over. Regular order. Regular order. Exactly. That's all it takes. You're dead right, sir. And I'm just saying, you know, as a starter, the GOP, I mean, what do Republicans stand for? You know, this has something to do with the disappointing midterm election results. Are Republicans reliable? We need lower spending. We need less government. We need lower taxes and regulations. We need a growthier economy. You got Jay Powell in the Fed today, Senator. You, basically saying their restrictive policies are going to lead to recession next year. Fiscal policy, if it were growthier, would it, it might ameliorate those, might stop the inflationary wave, might stop the Fed from printing money, et cetera, et cetera. Where is the GOP? Why is this the, so hard? You know, Larry Kudrow still pretty much got it. He's pretty sharp for an old guy. He's not bad. <laughs> and uh, what did he say, growthier? I like that. I, I mean... It sounds inappropriate, but if you think about it, all words are made <laughs> up. So he's on to something there. But Christine, you, are you a Rand Paul enjoyer? Um, yeah, I thought Rand Paul's, uh, I would call it a cross-examination of Dr. <laughs> Fauci. Uh, I, I think he's probably one of the best equipped to do it and does it better than anybody. I'd love to see it again, especially, you know, for the, the Twitter files dropping on Fauci. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's absolutely right. And I think I, I want to make a couple points with this one. He's absolutely right that the Republican Party has become party, the party of cowards. It's taken us about four decades to get here, at least, you know, from my my lifetime and my career, I can look back and I think it's been about four decades that we really have just we have made our party the party of compromise and submission. And that's how our politicians have gotten to where they've wanted to be at the expense of their constituents. That is changing. So the Republican Party is going through this, I don't know, you would, you would call it a renewal or a revival or whatever, yeah. where it's again becoming a, it's becoming the MAGA party. It's becoming the party of loud, boisterous patriots who don't give two you-know-whats about what people think of them, and they're just coming in and they're doing the right thing. It has that that process hasn't completed yet. And so we're in this painful part in the middle where it's like, how much ground are we going to lose as we 
as we go through this purification process for our party, I actually think we're the, the tide will start turning because I do think we have enough MAGA patriots in enough offices around the country that that tide is going to turn. But it's, man, it's just painful from the time that we all, what I would say, like kind of woke up and realized what was happening to our country. Now we're aware of it. Now we see what's going on and it is a painful process to correct it, but we are correcting it. No, that's a good point you make. And then when you just look at the the numbers, the black and white heading into 2024, Dems have 23 seats up in, in the U.S. Senate, and that's almost indefensible. Uh, you know, this was yeah. a very concentrated midterm election that we had, you know, five or six big Senate seat races. They poured hundreds of millions of dollars in those races to make sure that they kept the majority and did whatever they could to delegitimize. Yeah, and they and, cheated. I and, mean, look well, at Arizona. Blake uh, Masters. I, I honestly think Blake Masters won. When you have 300,000 illegal votes inserted, like with an eyewitness whistleblower saying that, come on, Blake Masters won that race. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look at Adam Laxalt's race too. I mean, going yes! into the weekend. Oh my he, gosh, that's another one. He's up by a couple hundred thousand votes going into the weekend right before the yeah. mail-in ballots start coming in. Imagine that. And then he winds up losing by like 0.2%. Mail-in ballots that come in like four days later yeah. after the tallies have been counted. Yeah. So okay. that's suspicious. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good points there, and, and even what to Christina tied into, that uh, we will see Fauci and Rand Paul. Uh, or, uh, That's what I want to see. We yeah. will see that again. Well, we could have another pay-per-view to end world hunger, an actual fight. <laughs> to fight climate change. Let's do a, let's do a climate change pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. Hey, you want to know what Rand Maybe Paul— Maybe liberals will actually watch it. He survived an Antifa attack and being ran over by a ride on lawnmower. That's right. <laughs> Didn't uh, he his neighbor? Yeah, my money's on— He on, ran him over I, with a lawnmower? Yeah. Is that what happened? I thought he yeah. just beat him up. No, that was the first time. Oh. Yeah. Second time was with a lawnmower. <laughs> Christina, here's a fun fact about Rand Paul that you might not know. Because okay. I, I know everything, and I, I hawkishly watch all these people. There was a couple people who, like, held on to the bitter end. Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz, like, a lot of our favorites. But in the end, like, people would just berate them until they like, fine, Joe Biden was the duly elected president. Rand Paul is the only Republican U.S. senator who has never admitted to Joe Biden being the duly elected president of the United States in 2020. That's because he's got integrity. He certainly does. Mm. He was. I, I remember like six months ago they had him, I believe it was on Steven Crowder. And somebody they, asked him? They were busting his balls about it because they played a clip of him saying like, you know, I don't really want to answer that question because in my opinion there was a lot of funny stuff that happened in the election. And it was like a CNN clip or an MSM. And they're like, Dr. Paul, but seriously, you could say there's this, that, and the other thing. You, Joe Biden, who was sworn in on January 21st, like he's not the duly elected president of the United States. He's not the legitimate president of the United States. And he just kept going like, you know, there was just a lot of funny stuff that happened. And yeah, funny stuff happened. And he wouldn't break. I like it. I mean, what yeah. do people say now? Like the fact that people would question him about that now, I think is really interesting because we have two years to reflect from the 2020 election until now. And yeah. we can see what Joe Biden has done to this country. We can see that Joe Biden poops his pants, can't remember where he is, falls asleep meeting with heads of state. I mean, he the man is an absolute <laughs> nut. I mean, he's lost his mind. He, he's a demented fool. And you want me to believe that he's the most, po he's more popular than Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, he got twice yeah. as many votes in Arizona as Barack Obama. I'm not saying percentage wise. I mean, actual votes. Yeah. He doubled Barack Obama's be, vote count. Beat Barack Obama in well, that makes, uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia. That makes <laughs> Carrie, yeah, Carrie I mean, Lake's thing seem that, a little more. Like, yeah. really? Do, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to say I know everything and that like I'm 
I'm not trying to pretend I'm the smartest person in the room by any means, but like, you're pretty smart. I'm not an idiot. And yeah. I, he sniffs I can, a lot of kids. Yeah. He does sniff a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a huge affront to my intelligence to look at what has happened over the last two years and go, Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally think that was legitimate. Yeah. This is fine. I don't. Everything's fine. Yep. Where have I, I have seen a, that I have a, a quick question back to <clears throat> Christina, when you, you said, which I agree with, we need, we're going through this renewal and revival mm-hmm. of, of the, the MAGA party. And like we saw it in person on, on Saturday at the, at the young yeah. Republicans gala and we're seeing it other places around the country. Now, I don't know if you've ever been asked this, but there's a lot of buzz going around about, you know, our election process. I'm sorry, in my opinion right now, it's, it's completely broken. And like yep. most conservatives in the country, I believe in, an election day, not an election season, no mail-in ballots, yeah. no no ballot harvesting and all that nonsense. But now it seems that this is the new norm. This is It's not going away. The mail-in ballots are not going away. The ballot harvesting is not going away. So uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on maybe part of this renewal and revival and the buzz going around of Republicans now at on election, that during election season is where it's legal and and uh, efficient to do, what do you think about playing the game better than the Democrats, meaning of ballot harvesting and early voting, bringing the polls to people, say at right. universities, what, what the Democrats we'll never, are We'll never beat Democrats that way. We will it, never, ever beat them that way because they cheat and we don't. We, right. we will play within the rules, we'll play within the law, and they don't. And so they will win every single time. We have to, we absolutely have to do a better job of exposing the corruption, exposing the cheating, exposing the lies, continue to root it out and make it so apparent that people people can't hide behind it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing in Arizona. I'm very curious. I think if Arizona actually can correct itself over the next couple of weeks, I think that that is the tide turning. But I don't, you know, I've heard several people say, oh, we need to ballot harvest better than they, they do. We never will because no. we don't cheat. We don't go into nursing homes and beat up old ladies to take their ballots. <laughs> you want your do. applesauce? Give me your ballot. Yeah, right. no, I- <laughs> You're never going to see Republicans do that. So, like, we can't even pretend to do it as effectively as they do. So, I mean, I know I, I think we need to continue to expose like I agree. what happened in Racine and it wasn't just Racine, all of Wisconsin. It probably happened all over the country, but we know for sure that it happened in Racine. What what they did to those nursing home residents is elder abuse. Yeah, It is wrong. Yes. We have laws to prevent that. And MAGA patriots like our laws. We like, um, we like having an orderly society. And so we're not going to abuse the elderly mm-hmm to try to win our political points so that we can ha- put drag queens in uh, chil- children's schools to teach them how to use a dildo. I right. mean, we're never ever going to do that. No. So we just have to continue to expose it. We're going to get kicked in the face a few more times, Yeah. but you know, you take it and you move on and eventually we'll get it cleaned out. Yeah. No, I, you make some excellent points. Like there. Go ahead, Alan. No, I like it. I like yeah. it. I just I was curious. I like it. I think we need to play the game where the game can be played and definitely within the parameters of the law. We saw some mm-hmm. positive. Ron DeSantis was, a, was somebody who was able to do that, even though we don't like all the ways he changed the voter laws. He harnessed them to his ability. Everybody needs to be reminded, though, if Ron DeSantis ever leaves that seat or loses a race in the future, 
if a Democrat goes in there, they're going to exactly. harness the same system. So it's not yeah. like a Democrat gets in and then they're all of a sudden going to be like, okay, we well, don't want to ballot harvest and have 100% mail-in. Right. Ron DeSantis made Florida much more vulnerable. Yeah, he did. And, and the same thing with Brian Kemp in Georgia. You know, he he did a lot of the same things there, and he actually wound up beating Stacey Abrams in mail-in voting by like 6,000 in this election cycle, which blows my mind, but also she's not a real candidate anyways. Kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, it, it's, it's so funny how... We can do it, but it, remember, that coin has a definite other side to it. So we, we need to keep in, in mind if we don't want to make our election systems better and safer and more sound and just break it wide open, then when a Democrat comes in there, you think they're having fun now. Just imagine if like something how Ron DeSantis or Brian Kemp is set up in their state to where they know it. They've got an extensive ground game. They're starting to deep root themselves. They're catering to different majorities across those tabulations and the uh, – Voter demographics, and then a Democrat comes in there who just gives them a little bit of that old Obama hope and change, and you see like 80% landslide for the Democrat coming in there mm -hmm. because they have that system yep. already set up. Sticking in this thread, though, uh, about the omnibus, we got a couple more here. I saw Steve Scalise. He was talking about it yesterday up on Capitol Hill. You know, he, he, he's kind of getting into the same thread. We've heard it a little bit from Chip Roy. We've heard it uh, from Mike Lee. Obviously, Rand Paul touched in on it, and it's all the stuff that's in there that we're not going to see. Let's hear him. Change the way Washington does business. In fact, we ran on an agenda of changing the way Washington does business. And right after that election, where the American people said that they want a check and a balance on the Biden administration, where they want to change leadership in the House, we see Washington trying to do that same business one last time right before Christmas by bringing this omnibus appropriations bill that nobody's seen, as Kevin pointed out, just a handful of people at most are writing it right now. It's still not even available for anyone to read, and yet they want the ability to go and bring that on the eve of Christmas uh -huh. because it's a sign that Congress failed to do its job. The Democrat House, the Democrat Senate, the Democrat White House had all year to get funding taken care of by September 30th. And of course, they blew through that deadline and asked for another few months. Right before the election, they surely didn't want to be accountable for what they knew they were going to do. So they kicked the can again till after the election. And in fact, we whipped against that bill because we knew that was their intention yep. to bring a big, massive spending bill after the election is over because they didn't want the American people to see all of the money that they were going to be spending on pet projects, on things that have nothing to do with getting our economy back on track, at focusing on the problems that are crushing hardworking families all across America. And that's why we oppose this process. We have to make Congress be more accountable. We have to make Congress do its job on time again. This is not the way to do business. We need to scrutinize the billions and trillions of dollars. Just look at Joe Biden's two years. He spent about $10 trillion on things like paying people not to work, giving out checks to prisoners, the Boston bomber. Uh, people are fed up with all the waste that's going on, and then they don't have the ability to even see a bill before it's brought to the House floor. This has to change. We're going to change it, but they shouldn't do this on their last gasp right out the door before Christmas. And so that's why we're opposing this approach. I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough fight. We got to really take, you know, into consideration what exactly is going on and what we need to do as the constituents of these people to continue to hold feet to the fire.
And in our last clip with Miss Christina Bob, let's hear potential future Speaker of the House. I don't really want him. I don't think anybody does. But for the all sake of, of things like being on some level of absolute normalcy, Kevin McCarthy, he was on with, I believe, Boomer Sweats last night. And he was talking about this last-minute spending deal and what it actually means to not just the Republican Party but America. Let's hear him. Who lead this in appropriations. Uh, Senator Leahy and Senator Shelby will no longer be here in 21 days. They, they did not run for re-election. So there's no way that the taxpayer or the constituent can hold them accountable for what they're about to do. Why wouldn't you wait 21 more days? What they're talking about is adding the baseline, meaning where would we start in the next year? They want to increase it somewhere between 90 and $130 billion. Instead of saving money, instead of cutting back in this world of inflation that we have, why wouldn't we, if we do nothing in a CR, we're going to save ourselves almost $100 billion. That's the hard-earned taxpayer money. And are you going to get a time to read it? They're trying to jam us right before Christmas. Why would you ever move forward when there's a change in power in 21 days where Republicans would have a stronger hand? That we wouldn't be talking about adding more money, we'd talk about decreasing. Where would our priorities be? We'd be talking about holding people more accountable, getting rid of the waste, the fraud and the abuse, making sure the Department of Defense has the resources they need to defend themselves. But that's not going to happen here. Now, Christina... We talked a lot about the omnibus bill, right, and the CR that's going to try and get it there right. for, for the day before Christmas Eve vote. But let's just talk about this real quick as we're getting ready to wrap with you. Kevin McCarthy has made a lot of promises over the course of the last eight weeks since the midterm elections, and, and he's got so many different knives at his back. On the other side of the coin, he's got knives at just about everybody else's back. If you told me people like Marjorie Taylor Greene would be enthusiastically endorsing him last year, I would tell you, you need your friggin' head examined, but here we are. And I don't yeah. think it has anything to do other than with, there's a lot of business for the American people that needs to get taken care of. Not only do we have to clean up the mess that the Democrats made after the last year and a half of the Trump presidency due to the economy and stuff with COVID and then weaponizing the vaccine. There's also the first two years of the Biden administration where they have just saw all the things that were flammable and lit it all on fire at the same time. And, uh, you don't have to say whether or not you endorse him. Do you think at the end of the day, just based off of his career track record, we think he's a huge political opportunist, none more than he's been with Donald Trump, just staying in his good graces enough to not get absolutely destroyed by him. Do you think he's up to the job, though, if he becomes the Speaker of the House? If he becomes the Speaker of the House, I think he will do a subpar job. I think he will do what he's always done, which is enough to have a few talking points for himself to argue but not enough to actually support the American people. Um, I, I understand the politics of electing a Speaker of the House, which I, I think it's the political process is the only thing that's keeping Kevin McCarthy in the running because every Republican knows that McCarthy's a rhino who doesn't care about the will of the American people and is out for himself. Yet he has this huge fundraising machine. He has so much money that he can pretty much destroy anybody else in the house that he wants to and neuter them and, you know, completely put them in a corner and eliminate their relevance. Yep. And that is the fear of Kevin McCarthy. I don't think anybody who would actually vote for Kevin McCarthy would do it because they think he's the right person for the job. They would do it because they're trying to mitigate the amount of damage to all of the MAGA candidates. That's the way I say it. It's gonna be it's gonna be sad to potentially not see people like Matt Gates on committees next year because of yeah. you know what's going on in, in with that delegation of at least five. 
It seems like Chip Roy has, has calmed down a little bit. Oh, here's a side question I always wanted to ask you. Now, remember, when you come on these shows, we know you're not doing anything or representing other one but yourself and your opinion. So we're not trying to make, like, any problems or anything. Do you think Donald Trump and Chip Roy are ever going to be friends again? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yes, I will say yes, because Donald Trump is like no one else where he has this crazy ability to overlook people stabbing him in the back. And I mean that in a, in a good way, um, in a good way, but also in a frustrating way to those of us that want to continue you know, fighting these people. But um, and, and the president has said it himself and he's said it publicly. And I've heard him say it privately as well, that he's like, Christina, if I didn't endorse, or if I couldn't work with anybody who had said anything bad about me or done anything negative towards me, I wouldn't be able to work with anybody. So I think he, uh, yes, I think the president will get over it. And I think, um, Roy for his own survival will, will need to make amends. So yeah, I do at some point think we'll at least see, at least a half-hearted attempt at reconciliation. No, I think so, too. I mean, I remember uh, just when he did his last rally in Georgia over the course of midterm election season, he was going down the rung of people that he endorsed there by name, what their title is, what race they're running in. And then right at the end, he's like, and don't forget to run, don't forget to go out and vote for your governor. And I was like, yeah. wait, what was that? Did he, he say governor of Georgia? I was like, oh. I guess anything could happen. Mm. Plus, yeah. for some reason. Well, I yeah, that, that's right. I mean, he did. He said Kemp and uh, DeSantis, who is apparently doing everything he can to stab the president in the back. And um, love those. Yeah, receipts. He, yeah. I mean, I think President Trump really is out for what's best for the American people. And if he has to let bygones be bygones, he will. Yep. I completely agree with you, and I also agree that we're going to need you back on here soon, Christina. I don't know what your calendar looks like towards the end of the month, if you got any huge plans for New Year's, but our 200 shows on the 30th. We've already got a pretty star-studded lineup going so oh, far. If you, if you even just want to phone in for a quick, fun five minutes, we'd be yeah, more than happy. Yeah, I will do it for sure, well, 100%. I'm, I'm adding you to the list, and uh, I'm going to live link the book in the show description today. So across social media, if anybody's looking for you, where are they going to find you? You can find me um, on all the platforms, Christina Bob or Christina underscore Bob, one of those. This is one of our favorite lawyers and now favorite authors. She'll be joining us on the 200 episode as well. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you very much. All right, joining us next on the show today, she is the spokesperson for President Donald J. Trump. Joining us again, Miss Liz Harrington, thanks for coming back on with us. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? Pretty busy day yesterday over in Trump World. You want to uh, tell us about the highlights? We've uh, had a cold open about it. Cash Patel's in to provide some commentary. With Christina Bob's joining us today, and uh, here you are. So we're getting the full spectrum of it. I don't know. That's awesome. I can't really top Cash or Christina, but, I mean, President Trump's message yesterday on free speech was so strong and bold. I think we haven't seen that from any Republican, and it's really desperately needed, especially after not really learning that much more, but getting confirmation of how bad the censorship regime is uh, and has been against the American people. For him to come out with such a strong plan, uh, not just action that I can take on day one, with his uh, second term, but stuff Republicans can do right now uh, to be back on it, I think was really key. Uh, it's leadership, it's direction, and it's something that he summed up so well. If you don't have free speech, you're not gonna have a free country. And that's exactly where we're at right now, and it has to stop, and it has to stop now. 
Oh, I mean, uh, that's pretty much it. I think it was a huge swipe at big tech. We've learned so much over the last couple months just from the stuff that's come out of Twitter. I think we're just breaking the surface of the things we saw there, like the collaboration between not only the corporate entity that they are as one of the biggest social media applications, if not you know the biggest on the planet at, at its height when all this stuff was going on, the repression of the October surprise with the Hunter Biden laptop narrative and, and repression of everything to do with the Biden crime family. And then you see the people who were working there, all these people that are connected to Russiagate. You've got John Podesta's niece, Anthony Fauci's niece, all like they're just doing bad hammer on every single thing that's America first. You know, since like 2018, and uh, it's made it pretty difficult for you know not just conservatives. President Trump, when he was the president, to have this kind of a social media presence that would have you know greatly contributed to his campaign in the 2020 presidential election. Exactly, and the fact that they've been colluding with government, with yeah. the most powerful agencies in the government, uh, the intel community. I mean, is stunning. And it is something that is so antithetical to our Constitution, to our fundamental rights. Uh, it is appalling. And President Trump just really uh, did a shot across the bow with this uh, censorship regime, which is exactly what he called it and exactly what it is. And to have the many steps that he laid out to take down this regime, I think is so important that people have not talked about before, like the hiring freeze, that you can't have this revolving door from the FBI to Twitter yeah. or the yeah. NSA to Facebook. I mean, it's insane what's been going on here. He says seven years minimum, right? That you can't go from an Intel agency to these big tech platforms. I mean, because it's clear that these are these have not been just the public town square. It's been a propaganda arm of the intelligence community, uh, only going one way, right? Only towards the left. So it's been very, very dangerous. Other parts of his platform, banning the the federal funding to universities uh, who support this, you know, so-called research, right? But it's actually all designed to suppress our freedom of speech. I mean, this was very detailed things that will make a real difference uh, and to stop this really this awful uh, work it has many working parts and we got to uh, tackle it everywhere it reaches because it's the government it's these big tech companies it's academia it, it, there are many aspects of this and president trump is going to take it to all of them no he laid out so many different things and and you know said it at several points throughout his his video presentation that when he's inaugurated, I thought that's very good to rally up the base. There's one of the things I want to ask you. It's kind of bothered us on the show for the last couple of months. We don't need to name names. I mean, everybody knows who they are. Some people just like to make headlines. Why do you think some of President Trump's sometimes closest supporters get frustrated with what they call inactivity right now and then you see yesterday he drops the trump nft playing cards forty-five thousand of them gone in 12 hours 20 minutes later he drops the you know putting big tech on notice you know save your documents as soon as i'm inaugurated this these this is what's literally going down if the congress doesn't want to work with me it's coming via executive order i don't think you could have asked for a bigger answering of the call at the height of the holiday season which i think a lot of people you know it's fun to make like your your nightly news show on the mainstream media cable news or have podcasts that have a lot of listeners and stuff like that but when you see people come out and, and like say inactivity d during the holiday season it kind of really is like okay who's really worried about 
690 days from now, the 2024 presidential election, uh, you know, in December, a week before Christmas. Like, Donald Trump went out and made his announcement. He had a great speech that night. He's kind of laid out a few things and is setting up his, you know, retooling his inner circle with what's going to go on as, as soon as they're getting ready to hit it in the new year. But I, I think he's moving at, at a pretty much steady pace right now. I mean, he's already got an entire presidency worth of receipts. So right now it's like, who else wants to get in the ring? And how else do you want to try and redefine or reshape MAGA to make it seem like their version is different than a version that already worked for the American people? What do you think? Right. I think it's, you know, there's always going to be those attacks. We're very used to it. Um, and people always think they know better, right? And I think they all kind of need to step, take a step back and think about who this man is and what he's accomplished, not just in the White House, but his entire life. I mean, this man fights and he wins yeah. and he's so, so smart. And I mean, everyone always thinks they know better, right? They're always, oh, you know, he's got these people behind around him. Well, you got to get rid of him and all this nonsense when he's a decision maker and he knows a lot more than you do. I mean, that he does and he's he's brilliant. And so laying out this very detailed plan, you know, he had the fun NFT. I don't really even know what NFTs are. So don't ask me anything about it. Honestly, I don't really understand it. But I mean, people getting, you know, griping about that. I mean, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, he put this fun thing out. I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be the super serious major announcement, did it? Because, you know, he's got the superhero. It was fun. And then he comes out with this very substantive, detailed, something that no other Republican has done, concrete. I mean, people have kind of, you know, toiled around the edges with Section 230 yep. and all of that, but they haven't done anything about it. No one in Congress has done anything about it. And here is President Trump saying, Hey, where are the preservation letters? Send them. They needed to be sent yesterday uh, to make sure we expose this even more, because I guarantee you what they've released with Jim Baker uh, just until you know last week being general counsel at FBI or from the FBI to Twitter. Yeah. I guarantee you there's much more. There's so much more. That's so much more damning. So. Look, I mean, this was, I think, an incredible announcement, incredible punching back, giving direction to the Republicans as they're about to take over the House and concrete things that they can do. It's so important because, look, the action, uh, we cannot wait for him to be sworn in in 2025. But there's a lot of things that need to be happening now, and that's why he's going to continue to lead the way and give direction to our party, unite the party to make sure that uh, we get control of this country because it is going downhill fast unless we stop it, and we have to. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, when you look at the Donald Trump NFT uh, teaser commercial, I mean, he said America needs a superhero, and then, like, it cuts right to a, a cartoon image of him with laser eyes to think that he was going to drop. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it was like, awesome. But, but if you thought it was— I don't know why you thought it was going to be, like, super literal, like, you know, this— epic major announcement politically what? to each their own. Got, Honestly, that is a good point because people are desperate for that. They're yeah. desperate for his leadership. And so I don't begrudge them at all. Everyone wants him to step out in front and lead it. And, and he is leading. So, so they shouldn't be disappointed. No. And the fact of the matter is he did exactly what Donald Trump has already always done 
Did he have both sides of the aisles talking about it all day yesterday? And then once he's got everybody's attention, Donald boom. Trump starts trending. Boom, here's my platform to counter all the crap that's going on in social media. And it's like you said in your point, Liz. This is just the tip of the iceberg. If you don't think this stuff has been going on for a long time at Google, at Microsoft, at Meta, and right now they're doing everything they can to cover their butts, figuring out which people worked for the federal government and how they could quietly sneak them out right now ahead of this because they're going to be calling these people up on Capitol Hill after the holidays. And I got a feeling like things are pretty bad at Twitter, but when you have the actual ability to like control the algorithms on the entire internet like Microsoft and Google do and have bigger reaches to like older and younger demographics in places like Facebook and Instagram, it's probably really scary, um, you know, to, to think right. about how much we've all been crushed for the last at least seven years. Liz, one of the things I saw today, which definitely is a huge compliment to Donald Trump, uh, was that the Senate unanimously, uh, voted to remove TikTok or, or, you know, forbade it from all federal devices. I mean, I know it's a step in the right direction. Definitely what we don't want as part of the end game, which is to get rid of TikTok completely because all it is is a Chinese data mining application that manipulates all the stuff in this country. But is it good to actually see Congress working towards something that President Trump was really strong on doing in the course of his presidency? Yeah, it's about time. And yeah. you're right. President Trump was the first person to raise this alarm and, and have this issue brought up. I mean, the toughest president against China, uh, certainly uh, in modern history, and someone that has always understood what the threat was. But honestly, so if they're saying that it's so bad for the federal government's phones, I mean, shouldn't it be really bad for all of us too? Mm -hmm. I mean, people have to realize exactly what's going on. I hope that does send a signal to, you know, the public sector as well, that, hey, this is not a good uh, app. It is used against us. It's used against our people. And uh, it, it's all in an information war. I love what you said, too, because everyone's so swept up on Twitter and we get that. But Google, I mean, is probably so much more powerful in terms of the information control. They also own YouTube and the censorship that they've been doing as well. Uh, stuff that you do not see, that is far more dangerous, I think, uh, than, you know, the disclaimers that they put up or when you see they take someone down. Obviously, all of that is a threat to free speech, but you, you don't even see the censorship that's going on uh, over there. And it's like, kind of just like the shadow banning and you have no idea. Also part of President Trump's plan with the uh, digital bill of rights, you have to be told you know, if anyone's trying to limit your speech, limit your contact, limit information. So all of this kind of works together. We need, you know, to really open up uh, the First Amendment and understand that these tools like TikTok and all these other different apps have really been um, used against people, used as propaganda arms. Uh, for different intel agencies, different governments like China. So people have to be aware. They have to know what's going on. And President Trump certainly understands it. And that's why he came out with his plan yesterday. No, I mean, that's it right there. And then, uh, you know, we, we just, like we said, we're just getting started with all this. This is going to lead not only up to 2025, but it's who's really going to be on board to go out and work for things that are going to just 
benefit the American people, represent the constituents that vote these people into office. And we're going to see, you know, that's where your loyalties lie. It's like he's kind of laying the groundwork for where he wants to go, but there's no reason why they can't start paving the road in, in 2023 after this new Congress is sworn in. Even with the minority in the Senate, you could definitely push back on just some of this America last garbage, $10 trillion in garbage that Joe Biden has dumped on this country in the last two years. Liz, last thing I want to touch with you on, it's a, it's a little bit of switching gears, but we're heading into the holiday season here. We all know President Trump was definitely, uh, you know, probably the the, the most in, in the modern era that helped make Christmas great again. He brought the wholesomeness, the family aspect, the importance of Christ back into the holiday season, uh, you know, not only throughout the federal government, but he kind of expressed it across the country. Uh, how do you think everything's going to be going, you know, for the president through the Christmas season? And then do you guys plan on hitting it hard once we get into the new year? Absolutely. And it's so important for everyone to take a step back and enjoy the Christmas season and understand and and remember what it's all about. And President Trump's going to be doing that. And in the new year, though, it is going to be really hitting the ground running. I think it's so crucial. Like we said, there's no time to waste. This country has really gone through so much uh, since the rigged and stolen election, but they're going to continue to try to be on the attack. And we, we need to be on the offense and we need to start taking back territory. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see in this new year. I think it's going to be really fresh and really exciting, but also galvanizing to the people because you know, people have been really discouraged. Yeah, They've been demoralized after, you know, the midterms and, and different things that have happened to our great country. However, we really need to rally and we really need uh, to get resolve. And President Trump has that. He's going to be hitting the ground running in the new year. Uh, he's already hitting the ground running, as we saw this week. Um, but more is going to come. And I think it's going to be really exciting. But it's also so important, you know, we got to take stock and, you know, why we do all do this anyway, right? And it comes back to the Christmas holiday. It comes back to our, our faith in God. So we have to remember what makes our country great. And it's because we have these, uh, we have these rights that were given to us by our creator. So we have to remember that and we have to defend them. Yeah, you know, there's, there's such a... A big, uh, you know, big tent that Donald Trump had when he was the president. And there's so many different people who come from, you know, different denominations and, and talked about, you know, their faith. But it seems like whether they were like Muslim or Jewish, anyone who worked in the Trump administration, whether they weren't really that spiritual, they always talked about how, like, the importance of bringing Christmas back to the American people and, and how important Donald Trump's family is to him. And like during the holiday seasons, Thanksgiving, whether it was going over to Afghanistan and surprise the troops during Thanksgiving or the huge, amazing things that they did at the white house for Christmas, Donald Trump wanted the you know nation to know, like this is the time to huddle up and just love on your family and appreciate the things that you should be thankful for. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, see if the president's going to have a Christmas message coming out this year, but even more excited, like you said, to hit the ground running in January. January. Liz, where are we going to find you across social medias if uh, we're looking to, to give you a follow? And uh, we'll live link that and the 2024 campaign in the show description today. On Truth Social at Real Liz USA, uh, I read there recently somebody posted, Truth is my home, Twitter is the battlefield. So you may find me a little bit on Twitter as well, uh, fighting the great fight, uh, getting our message out. But 
truth truth is my main home it was so great watching elon musk ban all those liberal accounts that made my life miserable <laughs> yeah. last night they were just having meltdown after meltdown we don't have meltdowns <laughs> when liz is here we have a very good conversation and as always liz you have uh brought the heat to steak for breakfast we'll be looking to circle back with you after the new year we wish you the very uh happiest of holiday seasons and a merry christmas and uh thanks for coming on steak for breakfast thanks guys merry christmas Conservative site Red State published a report today documenting the RNC's spending over the past few years. Now, its analysis shows that since 2017, millions were blown on private jets, limos, luxury retreats, and Broadway shows. The piece goes on to note that a significant number of transactions seem to be misclassified. For example, nearly $5,000 was spent in 2022 at luxury athletic brand Lululemon. Mm. That was classified as an office expense, as were two expenditures totaling 9300 at Madison Square Garden in 2017. I don't know, that stuff's worth every well, penny. Well, in response, the <laughs> RNC has denied any wrongdoing. According to Glenn McCall, a RNC member from South Carolina, it's a gross misrepresentation of how the RNC spends and raises money. And he's outraged by the falsehoods in the article published in the dark of night, which was written, he says, by a client of Harmeet Dillon. Joining me now is civil rights attorney and Harmeet Dillon, an RNC committee woman running for RNC chair. Harmeet, and I should add this, in a statement to the Ingram Angle tonight, a spokesperson for Ronna McDaniel adds the following, I guess in reference to you, this blog post is as blatantly false as the lies that she, you Harmeet, have been spreading that RNC members are being bribed for their votes. Harmeet, it's getting pretty nasty out there. Your reaction to all this? Well, Laura, thanks for having me. It, it got nasty when a series of uh, anonymous emails in the dark of night were sent around attacking my conservative bona fides. And I think you've known me for, you know, 35 years. And so it has really gotten nasty in this race, which is unfortunate because I am running for the future of the party to make sure that we're able to win elections. And so, uh, yes, I know Jennifer. She's actually a great reporter. Uh, one of the first attacks here was she's not really a reporter. She broke the Katie Hill thruple story that got Congresswoman Katie Hill to be forced to resign. And I represented her in the case against Katie Hill. And so... I think we should be focusing on the facts here. And this story, from what I can see, is based on FEC reports. So, you know, it's what the RNC reports out to to the government. So but at the end of the day, is the big news seven hundred thousand dollars in floral arrangements, which is sort of, you know, Beverly Hills divorcee level, you know, uh, decor. I think the bigger story is the wasted money that is spent on consultants inside the building who are very upset at my calls for an audit of the RNC and of all the cozy consulting mm. relationships and vendor relationships that have cost us, uh, I would say, hundreds of millions of dollars over the same six year period. And what do we have to show for it? We have three consecutive cycles of loss. And so, you know, there's a lot of pearl clutching at the RNC over the idea that anybody would trade promises for uh, support. It actually does happen regularly, and many members told me that. And that's politics. I mean, you know, people are upset at, at you know, it's like Claude Rains talking about gambling going on in this establishment. But I think what people are really upset about is losing elections. Rana uh, has been very, uh, you know, kind of vocal in the last couple of days about this. But I don't think anyone would care about the floral arrangements or Lululemon or anything else 
if we had been winning elections. Yeah, who cares? And so, Eight tenths of a percent is still a lot of money, and so I think it's fair to yeah. question, uh, you know, the use of that money. All right, Axios is uh, saying uh, that Rana winning a fourth term, fourth term, wow, is a done deal. Yet as of now, the Texas GOP and the Nebraska GOP uh, and Republican Party of Arizona are all calling for McDaniel's resignation. Uh, one decided, I guess, Nebraska to rescind the previously stated support for Ronna McDaniel. Is this the beginning of what could be, you know, many more, you know, rescindments of rescissions, I should say, of support? Well, here's a here's a fact for you. At the beginning of last week, when I announced my run, yes, Ronna, with no opposition, had listed 107 members. But some of them can't vote. They're termed out as chairmen. So I think it's kind of misleading to list them as people who are supporters of her for this vote. Uh, some of them have told me they never agreed to be put on a list as an endorsement. They're upset about it. Some of them have changed their mind because they there is a competitor. And some of them are really turned off by anonymous attack emails calling me a liberal, questioning why, you know, I'm running and, you know, really some yeah, nasty about stuff. Record. I mean, there, yeah. Yeah, it's there, about record, there are, there are consultants. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are consultants like, and, um, and employees of the RNC who are calling and threatening reporters tonight. I've heard about it. And, you know, right. Ronna shouldn't be running her campaign with staff. I think we should keep it clean and talk about her record and the future of the party. I think that's yeah, what this it, campaign should be about. Yeah. Well, record and is it never time to sort of change a changing of the guard? I mean, I mean, everyone has to move on after a period of time, unless you have such stunning success that it's just undeniable. Harmy, we appreciate it. That was current RNC lawyer and also current RNC challenger, Toronto McDaniel, Harmy Dillon, jumping on with the Botox queen last night. Harmy was scheduled to be on the show today. Her people have claimed it was a calendar mix-up. She missed her mark to jump in with us. I did talk to Harmeet myself this morning. She said has she, she has been very inundated with media and that she is going to, and I'm quoting now, make it happen. Mm. Listen, we don't bullshit you guys on Steak for Breakfast. We ask everybody. We try to bring you the exact same thing that you're going to hear everywhere else, but you're going to get better commentary on this show, and you're going to get the to the absolute bottom of Everything that we want to know, and if you're a no call, no show, we're going to let you know. Yeah, you, you're going to get, you're going to have one day of uh, unpaid leave on your on your time card at the end of the uh, pay period. Nobody likes that. Fact of the matter is, we're going to continue to try and encourage her to come on steak for breakfast, as we are one of the big litmus tests within the. I'm going to go for it. Republican mm -hmm. apparatus, <laughs> and uh, you know, even if we can bring Ron McDaniel on the show. Uh, we will do everything in our power to do that before the holidays, and that's just the way we work for you, the listenership, and understand quite often that's why you guys continue to circle back with us on a biweekly basis. We uh, definitely appreciate that. So that's just a little bit of taste of what's going on. It's getting pretty dirty. I mean, obviously, uh, Harmeet Dillon was correct in her assertion that these numbers were not made up through random emails within the RNC. These were... Emails that were collaborated and put on the spreadsheets based off of, like, the FEC reportings, which means that's what the RNC reported they used their stuff on. In the big scheme of things, it's chump change. Uh, less than what the Democrats, you know, used all their bullshit on. But they fundraise three times the money that the Republicans do. So I guess per capita the Democrats still spend more. But it's just 
when you look at the win-loss record, which is what the Botox queen kept circling back to, uh, that is what the actual receipts are. That's what the agenda items on the table be, and we need to uh, continue to just focus on that. This seems to be heating up in a head-to-head matchup. I I think it's going to be a little bit closer than everybody thinks. I'm still not ready to call that one yet. I'm more confident about the Speaker of the House race than I am about the RNC chair right now. And then there's always the Lindell factor, Um, you know, him coming in, wearing the air Lindells and, and talking about changing things up there as well. So who knows, maybe pulling votes away from Ronald McDaniels is just what Harmeet Dillon needs to get over the finish line with Lindell in the race as well. But we're going to keep everybody posted on what we're doing and uh, where we're going in that race until, you know, we have the January vote. Fun fact, a lot of people might not know the RNC chair vote is a secret vote. So it's not like the speaker of the house vote where it's public on the house floor. I didn't know it was secret. Yeah, it's a secret secret vote. So, you know, people could be saying one thing and uh, voting another way. So That should be changed. It should not be a secret vote. Everybody should be held accountable of what goes on, especially the, when it comes to the leadership of a party. Agreed. Yeah, it just makes it so they can do whatever they want and get away with just being shysters. It's yeah. bullshit. It's like, yeah, I don't... I'm going to vote for Noah. Vote Noah. I'm going to vote for you. I don't like that guy, Roan. And then I'm going to vote for Roan. Nobody's going to know because I'm a coward and it doesn't really matter. And then you can still later on just be like, no, I totally voted for Noah. Yep. I voted for you. Yeah. Yeah. I said I I was going to vote for him. A lot of people were telling me that, but Noah only got three votes. So weird. Yeah. It's all just bullshit. It's bullshit. No, it is. Eldon should be running and he should have been out there lobbying for support. And he backed out and said, oh, you know, she... Her, her, uh, pre-baked McDonald's victories baked in, you know? Yep. 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 And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Lee Zeldin there. Alan, you weren't on the show when we talked about it, but, but recently we heard that, you know, a possible Ron DeSantis run would see people like Lee Zeldin and then former senatorial candidate from, uh, Nevada, Adam Laxalt migrate over to his campaign as they are all longstanding friends, you know, uh, coworkers of the military, uh, roommates in college and things like that. So we, we, we're, I think everybody's waiting to see what January 4th looks like. You know, that's, that, that's like the big, everybody's doing what they need to do to like grab headlines and make attention and, and talk crap about each other and propose this and propose that. But the real work actually starts on January 4th. So we're going to yeah. definitely see where that goes. Uh, you know, what's getting ready to go and pop off bigger than January 6th is the U.S. southern border. Ooh. We're just a few days away from the uh, abolishment of Title 42, which means hundreds of thousands of more economic migrants are going to be illegally pouring into the United States. Are you saying we don't need more economic migrants? Why wouldn't we? I mean, <laughs> we've already let in over $3 million in the last two years. Oh. To say the least. Yeah. Texas Senator John Corden, I saw him on uh, TV yesterday. He was talking about the border. He was talking about Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro Mayorkas himself took a trip down to the southern border, not to the physical border, to a town just a little bit north of it. The theoretical border? Yes, the Kamala Harris border. Let's hear Senator Corden first, and then we'll get into the Mayorkas timeline. Now, we do hear the administration is kicking around, and this figures all over the map, so forgive me, Senator, three to four billion dollars to prepare for this, again, for Title 42, presumably expiring a week from today's plan. But do you know what that money would be used for? 
Well, we need money for and plans to detain people who are coming across the border, who are making claims for asylum, and then we need to get those claims decided by appropriate authorities, and those who don't qualify be returned to their to their home country. But we shouldn't appropriate just blindly money to facilitate the continued continuation of the current open border policies. Secretary Mayorkas has said the border is secure. Anyone with uh, two eyes and, and two ears can know that's not true. Mm. Uh, but this is the mindset that they have. So I'm not convinced they would use that money appropriately to uh, to enforce our laws or deter people from coming uh, into the country illegally. Well, that's great. First of all, that's a mean thing to say about Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> he has never seen a open borders policy that he wouldn't sign. And, and that's that's the absolute truth. He is the worst pirate. Yeah. I used to like him, and I'm so disappointed now that I find out more about him. I know I've, I've said that before. He does have some tasty Kool-Aid, I tell you that much. Yeah. I stopped watching pirate movies because of my hate for Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> mm. they're, re- they're rebooting pirates with, with Johnny Depp, though. Mm. I'm actually yeah, maybe I'll watch that. Yeah, there you go. So I saw a thread yesterday. It was from Anna uh, Giratelli. Okay, she is a... She reports on immigration and the U.S. borders for the D.C. Examiner. And she put up a thread. Like I said, Alejandro Mayorkas was down in El Paso this week, and I'm going to read a couple threads, a couple tweets from the thread. It said, I spoke with Border Patrol officials, all management figures, about what went down at their meeting with Alejandro Mayorkas in El Paso this week. They shit on him again? In short, it did not go well for Mayorkas, and DHS did not respond to my request for a comment. Here's what <laughs> the agents told me. Mayorkas met with DHS employees in El Paso this week to discuss suicide prevention. Pretty funny. Not only have we been the only show that's been talking about that, we were the only show that's talking about that first, and it's been for quite a long time. If you haven't read our newest Substack, jump over to our stake for Substack and check out the latest one. It's got a picture of a mass Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas on it, and it deep dives into the real dark numbers on the U.S. southern border, how many line-of-duty deaths there's been, and the massively increased number of suicides that's happened uh, with our brave men and women who defend our nation's borders over the last three years. Border Patrol officials described it as a tone-deaf message considering what was, and still is, happening right outside as groups of a 1,000 cross the border just down the road downtown. Um when Mayorkas stated he was here to bring light to suicide prevention and nothing about the migrant crisis, our staff couldn't believe it and made it known to him. And that's from a senior Border Patrol official in the El Paso sector. Border Patrol agents in a private meeting with DH Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas asked the Biden official why he has continued to state that the border is operationally secure when agents feel that is an inaccurate assessment and straight up lie. Yeah, the people the people who are doing the job are saying, yeah, you as an upper management by default person are saying things that are completely true. You're going to garrison me for this one. Oh, Jesus. In response, Mayorkas scoffed, shrugged it off, and said he never said the border was secure. I What? I mean, I can't even I can't even like, is that, a, is that a thing? And despite flying 2,000 miles from Washington, D.C. to El Paso, Mayorkas did not visit the actual and physical border, even further upsetting the workforce. Didn't he say that it's secure and we have operational control and full and total operational control and full operational retard grip on the border? 
He, yes, he did. He was even challenged by the management saying, the only reason you're not going down there is because you don't want to hear it again from the rank and file agents who are working it. Yep. And uh, another Border Patrol supervisor chimed in, I wish you could go down there and look into our border agents' eyes. They're lifeless, one mm-hmm. official said. After the meeting with disproving employees, Mayorkas touted having met with the, I'm quoting now, this is his quote, the extraordinary workforce that tirelessly, selflessly, and bravely is out there on the front lines. The toughest personnel doing the toughest work, Mayorkas tweeted out yesterday as he flew back to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Man, that guy is a piece of work, for lack of appropriate other terminology. To make an example out of him. On the way out of El Paso, Secretary Mayorkas skipped visiting the Central Processing Center built under the Trump administration, but couldn't not notice that its facility, which can hold 1,040 people in it, had at least 700 people sleeping outside. Jesus. Yep. 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 (laughs) And Title 42 officially goes away the 21st of December, correct? That's what it says. I still feel like it's going to... Is it is it legally possible for them to push it one more time? I don't know. Because, I mean, you have to you have to think that Biden is going to want to save himself from just the optics of fucking all those people down there that are working over. On Christmas. On Christmas. Like, yeah. hey, guess what? <laughs> I know you were going to, like, hang out and, uh, you know, do, thing, do things with your family, but I got bad news for you. You're staying for another shift. Mm. Have a little overtime. Merry Christmas. Sounds horrible. I couldn't imagine Mm. working in such conditions. Yeah, it's got to be bad. Speaker of the House candidate, Republican minority leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy, jumped on Fox News yesterday to talk about uh, the border crisis, especially what's going on in the El Paso sector and at Eagle Pass. Let's hear him even have operational control anymore. Think about what your story just portrayed. 1.5 million fentanyl pills in one week. One crossing from 42 different countries. This didn't used to be this way. And what's going to happen in one week from now when Title 42 is lifted? For, so all your viewers understand what that means. Title 42 simply says when someone enters our country illegally from another nation, we send them back to their country. When you do that, it stops illegal immigration from coming but this this administration will not uphold that there is projections that it would be 13 million more people going to cross this border illegally in the next two years under the Biden administration he won't even go and tour the border he's been in office in more than 40 years and has never been to it how does he understand what's going on the difference is going to happen in 20 days from now on January 3rd I will move hearings to the border. So these committees in Congress in Washington won't hold these hearings here. It'll be at the border. So the Democrats can no longer avoid the situation. They've got to learn firsthand what is going on. So they, and the American public has to understand so what's they're, happening. They're making a lot of promises. Jeez. And uh, <laughs> just, just to put it in perspective, if 13 more million illegal economic migrants enter oh. this country in the next two years, that will have equaled a third of the totality of legal aliens in this country currently. So you would be adding another third to the already probably close to 40 million illegals here. It's a lot of votes. Like people understand that that's going to cost everybody money, right? Because aren't all these people getting like free everything benefits and Mm. free everything. And not to mention just the, you're paying people to process them. You're paying for the 
the actual infrastructure to process them. You're paying for the supplies required to process them. You're requiring, you're uh, paying for the the gasoline, the fuel, the plane tickets, the transportation, the babysitting, advanced <laughs> attention lodging. Yeah, hotels, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But and then on top of that, after all that expenditure, here you go. Here's a fucking debit card and and a free phone and a path to citizenship. Yeah. And we're going to pay for their hormone therapy. That was, that was, and a stat that gets lost in the numbers right there. On Tuesday afternoon, 48 different countries were represented in one group of a thousand crossers. Say what? 48 different countries. 48. 48. That's a lot of countries. Yeah. How many countries are there? I don't know. I just remember the Animaniacs version of it. We're, but, we're a melting pot. Yeah, it, well, forcibly. Yeah, they're melting the pot right now. Yeah, the pot can't take much more of this. I did see some of Leader McCarthy's congressional candidates, one of our favorites, Lauren Boebert. She was out stumping in front of the Capitol uh, same day and uh, had a message directly related to Alejandro Mayorkas after his bad showing on the border. Straight to the point. Under President Trump, we had a secure border, and now we have a wide open border with millions crossing into our country. Many of them are criminals bringing in deadly drugs that are killing our children and are devastating our communities. Many of them are known terrorists and MS-13 gang members. Under this administration's failed leadership, Customs and Border Patrol officers have been handcuffed by weak directives and horrific policies. Many of these agents have been assaulted and have even lost their lives due to Secretary Mayorkas's open border policies. America is one of the most gener- generous nations in the world, accepting one million legal immigrants every year. Myself and my colleagues cherish those moments when we welcome those people who did it right into our country. And Secretary Mayorkas is slapping each and every one of them in the face with his policies. Crimes committed by illegal immigrants have surged with homicides, assaults, domestic violence, and sex offenses, all by illegal aliens increasing dramatically just last year alone. Over 5 million illegal aliens crossed our border on Mayorkas' watch. More than 14,000 pounds of fentanyl was seized in fiscal year 2022 at our southern border. So imagine how much got that through. That is an all-time record high. <laughs> and this is a huge problem that we must address. Secretary Mayorkas has refused to address this cri- crisis, but we won't. He regularly lies to the American people, claiming that the southern border is closed. I've been there. It's wide open. Secretary Mayorkas has failed to enforce the laws on the books, and the American people demand accountability for what is happening at the border. House Republicans are in the majority now, and it's time that we act, not just speak about what is happening. And the impeachment of Mayorkas is the appropriate place to start. I like it. Don't hate it. I mean, uh, and congratulations to the Congresswoman from Colorado 3. They officially announced the results of her uh, recount. Um, she she Two months won. later. Yeah, it was just about. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it things are going to get heated when it comes down to this border, especially when you know the appropriations for those eighty seven thousand IRS agents are in this omnibus bill that they want to pass next week, and I think that's like one of the no goes yeah. for 
I just don't know how Republican senators, you know, we have 49, we need 44 to say no. And how are more than 44 going to say yes? You know, it's just makes me yes sick to is something that they didn't even read 3000 pages with 7,500 earmarks. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. any Republican senator to go ahead and vote for this without reading it. And I'm, I'm talking about reading it. They should have to read it. It's, it's almost, it's criminal. It's negligent to vote on anything that they have not read. And those 44 senators, whatever it is, should just say, we're, we're not, we're not doing it. Shut it down. Sorry. Shut it down. I, I don't, I don't know what to say, but not, Nope. Yeah, Sorry. just uh, not reading it. Like, who knows what the fuck's in there? Like, what if they just, you know, like, hey, we're going to throw this in as a gag and just hope nobody notices it. Hey. That's well, what they do. They pack these bills with bullshit. Guess with what? Butt plugs for everybody. Well, you know, there's a lot of more important stuff sometimes than butt plugs and border <laughs> security. Breaking yeah. across the wire yeah. right now. We're in the 12 o'clock hour here on the West Coast on Friday. The January 6th committee is going to officially urge the DOJ to prosecute Donald Trump in regards to their findings. What findings? Findings. There were lots of them. Really? Urge. Urge. And, you know, one of the biggest components to that was Donald Trump being eliminated from social media, namely Twitter, where he made his money. Uh, The meltdowns across, you know, the... Progressive platforms have been epic to watch. I'm sure you guys all saw Elon Musk brought out the banhammer last night. And uh, we saw Donnie O'Sullivan, uh, IGD News, Ryan Mack, Drew Harwell, Matt Binder, uh, Mastodon, which is that other bullshit platform that they go on when they want to bitch about Elon Musk, uh-huh. and uh, Aaron Rupar. All of their accounts were suspended last night, and it was pretty funny. Elon Musk thought he was picking up steam. Listen, that whole letting the people vote, sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass. You know, we talked about it on our show today uh, about when you set up a good voting apparatus. God damn it. And, uh, you know, when when the candidate that sets it up that you like leaves, it leaves the door open to bad people sometimes. Hmm. And Elon Musk put up a poll yesterday. He's like, when should I bring these people back? And he gave like three or four choices, right? And obviously it wasn't to permanently ban them. Like that one was not winning. So he deleted that poll and put up another poll. He's like, okay, when should I bring these people back? And it was like immediately or now or like in seven days. And immediately was winning by a lot. And it was because, listen, we're, we're in the great debate here for the free speech, uh, the preservation of the First Amendment and and platforms to use it on. And Elon Musk, is, his big thing was a lot of these big accounts. Keith Olbermann was another one. I can't stand that douchebag. He got banned. So somebody tried to dox the location of Elon Musk. They have that one account on Twitter, and it was the, like, Elon Musk plane tracker. It's like some kid who was able to, you know, triangulate where his plane is going based off something. Well, somebody probably found the tail numbers, and then there's the the FAA, yeah. FAA directory. Like, you could, it's an open source Website. It's so, public knowledge. So for a couple of years, he, he basically docks his location, right? Elon Musk banned him yesterday. I believe they talked offline, and then he let him back on that he wouldn't be doing it live anymore. It would be, like, less than live. But at some point over the weekend, somebody docks his location, and, and somebody who displayed Antifa-like behaviors tried to get in the face of and, like, assault Elon Musk with his young son, X. Mm. And uh, Elon Musk like, was, like, taking pictures of the guy and was, like, asking people on social media, does anybody know this person? Have they seen him anywhere? He took pictures of his license plate. He was putting the videos out there. 
And, you know, Elon Musk went and put it out there. Like, doxing someone's real-time location is literally a threat on their life and will not be tolerated. Mm -hmm. And if that's one of the standards that he's going to write into the new bylaws, which are, you know, the Ten Commandments of Twitter, then so be it. But he didn't like the fact that it actually happened to him and he had a bad experience with it. And when he put the poll out there, everybody voted for free speech over his safety. Um, and, and that kind of like pissed him off a little bit. But the fact of the matter is he did the same thing with bringing back people like Donald Trump. And now he's got to live with, if he wants to live and die with the polls, he's sometimes going to die with them. Not literally. So they bring him back up. Right. I don't know if they're reactivated yet, but uh, it was great screenshotting them and just having a grand old time of the meltdowns were were great. And which by the way, James O'Keefe of project Veritas and the humble pillow farmer, Mike Lindell have just been reinstated back to Twitter. Perfect. Oh, weren't they all talking shit about, uh, Lindell getting taken off a little bit, a little while ago. Yep. Who cares? He's uh, back with 565 followers as we speak. Uh, 647 followers. I just refreshed. Speaking of, uh, things that are, that are good. We already touched on a little bit, but I do want to remind everybody that the, the U.S. Senate has unanimously voted to remove TikTok from all federal devices, which is a good step in the right direction. But staying in kind of the Twitter thread, I did see Noah's favorite uh, primetime commentator, Joy Reid, mm. probably <laughs> not keying up the Garrison button at all, talking about all of these white nationalists who are now thriving on the Twitter platform. Oh, be back before you go to that, uh, if you do go follow uh, the Pillow Farmer, make sure you uh, comment with uh, promo code STEAK. Promo code STEAK, big, big savings. <laughs> Let's hear Joy Reid be extremely uh, non-partial and even more fair. As much as possible was the company's Trust and Safety Council, which consisted of 100 independent civil human rights and other organizations created back in 2016 to combat hate speech, child exploitation, suicide, and other virulent problems related to the platform. Well, that was the case until last night when Elon Musk disbanded the group shortly before they were set to meet. When Musk bought Twitter, he promised advertisers that it would not turn into a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. Yeah, well, since he took over, that's exactly what it has turned into. Which, while he claims to have cut the number of times that users view hate-filled tweets, the Center for Countering Digital Hate has found a notable boost in the number of tweets that use slurs. Now, as you can see on the screen, there are four words, none of which I can say on TV, even on cable, that have jumped in usage, one, as much as 200%. would be the N-word. Musk promised that hate speech would be max de-boosted, except, according to the Center for Countering Digital Hate, that has not happened. High-profile, high-reach tweeters who just so happen to share conservative political perspectives have had wide leeway to promote hatred toward LGBTQ plus people. In fact, some of their tweets were viewed millions of times. This is the new old normal for Twitter Mm. because the goal apparently is to get back to the days when Twitter was the Wild West of anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, racism and disinformation. This free flow of unbridled hate speech is now the premier location for radicalizing millions of people across the globe and either ritually abusing or chasing away those they disagree with, including the former head of Twitter's trust and safety, you know, the moderation guy, who's now in hiding because apartheid Clyde keeps attacking him on Twitter. Kind of. How do you not garrison that at all? I just, I can't even believe that she's saying the shit. Okay, so you're not going to address the fact that they've removed an incredible amount of child pornography and 
stuff that is basically just directly linked to human trafficking off Twitter. Let's leave There's that still off. hardcore porn on Twitter. That person she was referring to is Yoel Roth, too, the absolute degenerate groomer who Sicko. Uh, yeah, wrote a, you know, his his PhD thesis on like a a young boy's version of Grinder and how it should be absolutely Yeah, yeah that guy's a fucking kook. What's even grosser is uh Go check out some of Steven Crowder's episodes this week. You'll you'll see it on there. It's like they literally did an episode that was like "fuck you, L. Roth," and like he doxes yeah. his his backup, like you know his burner account on Twitter, and it was even more grotesque and the whole groomer stuff and just like dabbling in pedophilia. People were just fucking weird. How did they find that? That somebody that somebody that like loosely knew him or somehow had access to that knew he, it was him and were like, yeah, you know what. This guy's kind of a fucking tool. I'm going to... He would make... He would, like, interact with his own accounts. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Likes his own posts. Yep. And uh, just... God, Joy Reid, you are such a piece of shit. She, like, literally Twitter. is... Human garbage. She's right-wing conservatives. Shut the There's fuck no up. such thing as hate speech. There's only hate speech. There's only speech that you don't agree with. Yep. And it uh, offends you if you let it. There's only There's speech, only, that, speech that you hate. How dare you there's only speech that you hate exactly so i don't know if you guys have heard it we're getting close to the end here um aoc is now a a big hollywood star Mm. she put out an end of the world another rooftop dancing video green new deal (laughs) climate change video and uh it was a pretty big budget film did great at Cannes. uh fact of the matter is is that when it went into u.s theaters i believe it was in like close to 150 theaters nationwide yeah. She racked up a whopping $81 per screen. Mm, they should put the rock in it, too. Nobody better than to add commentary on this than us is none mm. other than one of our favorite senators and <laughs> Steak for Breakfast national treasure, Senator John Kennedy. Let's yes. hear him talk about that and a little bit of Elon. Uh, the movie about Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, <laughs> Sean, makes me appreciate elon musk that much more and here's what i mean by that uh the the people who have made uh the congresswoman's movie she had another one before that was on netflix are part of what i call the media entertainment industrial complex (laughs) Uh, they're not only entertainers i'm including many digital newspapers many paper newspapers many mainstream uh, uh, television networks Uh, These are folks who only present to the American people one point of view, uh, and that's the point of view of Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. Many of the Congresswoman's supporters don't like America. They think America was wicked when it was founded. It's even more wicked today. They think the American people, or at least millions of them, are are racist and misogynistic and ignorant. Many of these uh, supporters of the Congresswoman assign people to a status. They don't see us as individuals. All white people, for example, they think are racist. Uh, All black people they think are victims. Uh, All women are powerless. Mm. They don't see us as individuals. That's why I appreciate what Elon Musk has done so much. Uh, He's taken a very courageous stand for the First Amendment. Uh, The man... uh, he, he, they, they've, they've, they're beating on him like he stole Christmas. Um, he, but he, he's tough. He's tough as a pine knot. And, and the man's got guts. What? He's got 
pine nut. Oh. He's got oranges the size of beach balls. <laughs> and, 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 and thanks thanks to Elon Musk. Thanks to Elon Musk. You're right. We're, we're going to have to get some new conspiracy theories because the old ones turned out all to be true. They told us that they weren't censoring on Twitter um, and that it was all a conspiracy theory. Well, Elon Musk has demonstrated otherwise, and I just Senator, wanted to give a, a tip of the hat to him. Nice. I, I, it's got to be good to get a tip of the hat from the, the senator there. And, man, I'd like to have a bourbon with that guy. Yeah. He probably has got some good stories going on. Definitely. But, you know, he does make a lot of sense. AOC is absolute human garbage, and, and Elon Musk does have some pretty, well, rather large stones. We have reached a point to where we really need to corral uh, this country before it goes off the cliff. And, and you know, for all the stuff that's going bad right now, you think the economy's bad, wait till that border breaks open. And uh, it's unregulated disaster pouring across. Um, you know, and that's all in collaboration with our, you know, corrupt agencies throughout the federal government. Yep. Uh, we've outlined them on the show after the Twitter disclosed. President Trump named them all at the top of our show today, DHS, FBI, DOJ, DNI, uh, Health and Human Services even, places like the FDA, you got the DOD in there as well, uh, elements of the DNC, and, and, and the people that facilitate this stuff. You know, even though he's a complete jerk-off and I can't stand him, his voice makes, you know, me cringe, and, and he just... All he does is care about himself, his legacy, and money. Senator Chuck Schumer, he's one of the people that, like, you know, in the Senate, him and Mitch McConnell are, like, best buds. He helps facilitate all of this shit that goes on. He's one of those people that blindly goes out. I mean, you heard him at lunch with Nancy Pelosi, how great of a leader mm. Joe Biden's been. I, how do you say that with a straight face? I don't know. How how can you possibly say that and not be like, ah, I'm just kidding. Hey, he's doing his best. That video I posted the other no, day? No, he's not. The video I posted the other day, it said CGI president. Did you see it? No. I'll have to show it to you. He's like at some event, like Toys for Tots, right? He's walking around. He's got an oh, yeah. arms full of toys like this. And he's walking around and kids are like, it's like he doesn't even exist. Like Nobody's paying attention to him. I mean, they all know he's going to try and sniff them. But the fact of the matter is like he walked all the way to the end of the room and then started coming back. It was like a 20-something second And video. he was like, I don't know what to do with these presents. Like, and, and uh -huh. nobody, Put them under the tree, stupid. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. But people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have allowed our country to get to this point. Listen, it was it was on great display when Donald Trump was there and they, you know, collaborated to shut the government down on multiple occasions to try and make him look bad. And Donald Trump was good enough to deflect it on them. And, and it made them, you know, lose some major battles in, in the legislative level. And at the same time, help Donald Trump in, in becoming even more popular. We don't have a leader like that up on Capitol Hill right now. Mm -mm. And in our last audio clip of the day, one of the things that we haven't called him yet got called to, uh, about Chuck Schumer yesterday when Tucker Carlson sat down with Tulsi Gabbard on her show. Let's hear it real quick. Say something like that. I mean, how could you, as the anyway, head Democrat in the yeah. Senate, accept a system where the people are not in charge? It is not a democracy. Unelected spy agencies are controlling the outcome of domestic politics? Like, you're okay with that? Right. That's a dictatorship, asshole. Like, what right. do you think that is? I'm just, <laughs> right. I mean, I just think, and I couldn't have less regard for Chuck Schumer, but I know him and he's not stupid. He's not stupid at all. No. He's quite smart. So he he's never thought this through. He has thought it through. He accepts it as okay. And, you know, we should never accept something like that, ever.
No, we shouldn't. And the fact of the matter is, should I make an asshole button? We have for a long time. That was a good one, right? Yeah. That was asshole. a good one. That would be a good button. <laughs> so you know what? We're gonna record that afterwards. But uh, as we're getting ready to wrap here, we can only be thankful for what we have in front of us today, and that is, uh, we had a lot of great news. We had a lot of great friends come through. We're still sitting one. We're still sitting here with one right now. That's Mr. Alan Jacoby. Alan, we want to direct all of our listenership who's not already following you either on social media. They want to check out your podcast. We're going to tease your cigars again at the end of the show. But if you want to go and uh, talk about them yourself, why don't you tell everybody where they could find all things The Great Divide? The uh, best thing is to follow the Rumble channel, which is easy to get to, 1776live.tv. And there also you'll find the Saturday show that I do with these two great guys. Yes, sir. You were going to say idiots for a second, weren't you? We was that? You, sure you, you were going to say idiots, no, weren't you? No, he was going to say these two assholes. <laughs> assholes. All right, Tucker. That was that was one of the best assholes I've heard in a long time. Yeah, asshole. But yeah, uh, it's 1776live.tv. Uh, get me over on Truth Social, The Great Divide Podcast, and my Twitter, Twitter, Alan Jacoby1776. That's basically uh, the main places you'll find me. My, my podcast is on all platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Uh, again, Saturday mornings with these guys over on Rumble at 1776live.tv, too. We're live linking that in the show description today. We're going to see you tomorrow on the Great Steak Breakfast. And I think we've got you in for the last two Fridays of the calendar year, So, which includes our 200th show, which we just added Christina Bob to today. And it's going to be an absolutely fantastic time. So, Alan, thanks for jumping on with us today. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning and then next week on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me, guys above average way to end the week what do you think noah i'm happy the week is over but you know there's always tomorrow true story if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the other 195 additions to the steak for breakfast podcast you could find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on itunes spotify podbean Podata, google podcast fm player iHeartRadio, the patriot podcast network on the roku app or even on frank speech subscribe to the show and rate it leave a review, and don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today, former chief of staff to the Department of Defense, special assistant to President Trump, PBR enjoyer, Cash Patel, mm. Trump attorney, champion of author, Miss Christina Bob, and the official spokeswoman for 45, Miss Liz Harrington. In addition to them, Alan Jacoby, thanks for coming in and doing some guest hosting duties today. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some of your hard-earned cash at our partners during this holiday season because the only thing that happens when you do that is you help make small American businesses great again. You love pillows? You love Santa. Throw them together. What do you get? Up to 80% off your total order at MyPillow. Damn! When you enter promo code STAKE at checkout, 50% off on the coffee if you subscribe monthly. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE, everything sleep-related. MyStore.com forward slash steak. Anything coffee related. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned. Listen, if you're in the studios, you're serious about it, make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Allen's Company, Patriot Cigars. You enter promo code steak there. Holiday discount, 25% off. Can't beat that anywhere. Mm -mm. Absolutely love it. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom, loving patriots. Stay ready, gear holsters. No, what do we got this week? Ooh. Uh, oh, I got it. Nancy Pelosi with her mouthful of sandwich. I was going to say Trump NFT. Eh. 
I mean, I, I, I like it, but... Do yeah. you like either one of those ideas and would like to throw them on a concealed carry? How about Tucker Carlson saying... Asshole. Even better. Concealed carry holster, though... Do it up for you. Get those orders out faster than ever before. Stayreadygear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, too. Man rubs. We're having pizza tonight, so there's no man rubs. Ooh, I want pizza. We're a man rubs this week. But you could probably still put man rubs on it. It'd probably be good. <laughs> actually, you know what? You're pretty right there. Check them out. They're at manrubs.com. Facebook and Instagram is where you'll find them as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. The new redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre-matic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocre-matic.com is, is the website there. And last but certainly not least, if you haven't bought a Zero Fucks Duck yet, are you even a steak for breakfast enjoyer? I know, right? Do have you have, even like gone to the website and looked? Do you have any idea what we're talking about? If you don't, dumpbox.us is where you'll find it. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Still working. A lot of parts. We'll see what happens. But besides whatever I'm scheming, Cynthia Hughes of the J6 Freedom Project will be here. Mm. Boris will be in. Nice. For an update on all things MAGA. We got Tom Homan, former ICE director. Talking about leaving your cookies and milk out on the eve of the end of Title 42 Ooh. for Santa, illegal immigrant, and <laughs> Dr. Robert Malone should be an absolute banger of a show. Next Friday, we're finishing up the Christmas season with Jake Denton, Alexis Wilkins, Alan Jacoby's going to be in the co-host, and we'll see what else we got going on. And then our 200th show, we're running out of real estate here. Cash Patel, Raheem Kassam, Mike Crispy. Christina Bob, Alan Jacoby, should be a banger on the 30th. All-star cast. Yeah, of December. Let's see what else we got. Friends of the Week, can't forget them. You know who else I can't forget? Oscar Gonzalez. Heard him and all the boys over at the prison are huge Steak for Breakfast enjoyers. Received some insider info. They wanted a shout-out. At the prison? You didn't think we'd hear it. Nice. Or say it. And there it is. Including... I'm sorry, not forgetting our true social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kittens, CSM Master, and friends. Jason E. Van Gundy, Thomas Bama, 13 Gen Patriot, some call me Tim79, can't forget Ghost Hammer or Matthew S. The Upside Down Man, we see you, and Spoopy, and then some of the mean team. Dumbass Photoshop, the Duke of Memes, mostly peaceful. That Southern dude had a couple heaters this week. Mm-hmm. American Manta. Midnight Mitch. Hmm. Who else off top? Well, you can't forget grand old memes. Let's say let's go Brenda too. Guys, things to remember between now and Monday. Number one, do your own research. If you thought jumping the gun on the Trump NFTs yesterday was your play, but then the multiple point plan for combat and big tech comes out shortly thereafter, we're glad we do the show the next way. Do your own research. You'll be a lot better off. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Not bad. I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Donald Trump gave an extremely good example about American greatness yesterday when he talked about his plan to combat big tech. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 196 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back 197 on Tuesday. Dr. Robert Malone, Boris Epstein, Tom Homan, and Cynthia Hughes. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Hi guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and take care.
Make America great and glorious again. I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. That all changes starting right here and right now. President Trump now has given power back to you, the American people. Over 4 million jobs have been created. More Americans are working now than ever before. The historic deal broken by President Trump. The Abraham Accords have been a game changer for Israel. He's ended hundreds of burdensome government regulation. He's also negotiated new trade deals. Conservative Supreme Court justices. We are now energy independent and the world's largest producer of oil and natural gas. This has been incredible for the American worker. And when I'm re-elected, the best is yet to come. We will make America wealthy. We will make America strong. We will make 